Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Nothing to fear, Your Grace. The trial will begin shortly. Sassy is not here. Tommen is not here. Why do you think they are not here? If the accused is not here, she will be tried regardless. We cannot escape the justice of the gods. Forget about the bloody gods and listen to what I'm telling you. Cersei understands the consequences of her absence, and she is absent anyway, which means she does not intend to suffer those consequences. The trial can wait. We all need to leave. We are the sword in the darkness. We are the shield that guards the realms of men. We are Game of Microphones. Good morrow, all you vaporized sparrows and sailing dragon queens, and welcome to Game of Microphones. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan, Magistrate of Mercilessness. And I'm Lady Rachel of House Fox, Septa of Spatulas. And this is episode 102. On this episode of our series rewatch, we're covering Game of Thrones season 6, episode 10, the finale, Winds of Winter. And in case you're not already aware, this series rewatch is from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen up through season 7. 
If not, there's still time to be incinerated in a neon green flash as you try to escape the botched trial of a crazed queen mother who's orchestrated total destruction of her mortal enemies. So you don't have to hear these spoilers. Warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I always love coming up with those parts, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. What a finale. This is easily one of my favorite. By the seven, what was that? Oh, man. Oh, shit! This episode. This episode. This episode is... It's like perfection from start to end and sorry for the scare with the gom 102 question mark episode that i released shortly before releasing this full episode our first attempt at recording was inside the sept of baylor and as you could tell we had some technical difficulties you could say (laughs) so i did not pick a top five because i couldn't pick a top five (laughs) the whole episode is just like top ones after top the whole episode is like a top maybe even three or two of the entire series for me. So yeah, if not number one, like this is such a good, there's so much like there's other episodes out there like loot train and battle of the bastards that are exceptional, but I'm I'm thinking this might be my number one. I timed that explosion there after the spoiler alert. So it falls in line the exact amount of time after the intro dialogue that I included in our episode as it does on the actual Game of Thrones episode. So if you theoretically were to start this episode synced up with that moment in watching Game of Thrones, the explosion would happen on cue as it happens on screen. <laughs> oh man, the way that that, expl- that building just shoots outwards in every direction and in the green vapor wave. I love the way the wildfire like moves through the catacombs. Yes. And how they hear it's, it rumbling before it explodes, oh, before it gets so to them. Oh, that's so creepy. Because yeah. it sounds like an earthquake. That's uh-huh. like what an earthquake sounds like. And oh, excuse me. The, yeah, the High Sparrow just has like one second to realize that he's a fucking idiot he's before he just gets vaporized. I know. And the way he like open puts his arms out and like looks up. Upwards, like, yeah. Oh, it reminded me of um, that movie, The Watchmen or Watchmen. Basically, this this guy is like a physicist or something and he's doing an experiment and he he gets trapped inside this room where they're creating some type of force. And it like rips it. He like we see it in slow motion. First, his his hair like rises up on it on end on his arms, and then he just like vaporizes, and all the flesh like comes flying off of his bones and everything. And it it's very similar, sort of, to the way that the high sparrow's flesh comes peeling off of and flying off of his bones. Yeah, it's intense for sure. And I love right before that, like Marjorie, she like she hears the rumbling and she goes to like like run or duck or something and then ugh. yeah i'm so bummed natalie dormer isn't on the show anymore i know right so since we couldn't really pick out a top five for this episode i think we're just gonna change it up a little bit and uh just examine it sequentially through the whole thing right yeah i think that's the best idea because literally i had almost 18 <laughs> aspects of this episode that i wanted in my top five <laughs> i just gave up <laughs> yeah there's uh, yeah there's just so much good stuff to talk about yeah 
Why don't you lead with it? All right. So the episode starts and right off the bat, we're teased with a shot that's looking right at the sept from Cersei's quarters and ominously the bells toll and it's foreboding, signaling time and that time is running out. That, you know, it's like, what do they, what's the metaphor for nuclear war is the doomsday clock, right? Oh, yeah. When it hits midnight, you know, that's when when the war starts, the end of the world, basically. And uh, so as the bells are chiming here, it's like the doomsday clock is striking and the action's about to take place. So I liked that. Um, I love that we started with the bell, but we get the bell like when it actually blows up. Yes, totally. (laughs) So it crushes somebody too. I love that bell. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it comes on like my playlist. I know exactly what song it is. Nice. (laughs) What score? Yeah, what score it is. It's just such a great little detail to add to the explosion. That bell flying through the air and bouncing off the building. So cool. Yep. So cool. Time is up. So this view overlooking King's Landing and we see the Septs chilling out there. And it's worth noting that this is by far the biggest and most beautiful building around. That, uh-huh. Like aside from the Red Keep, that there's nothing that even closely compares to this in terms of extravagance and <laughs> um, just like grandeur of the architecture, etc. I love that like dome shape. Oh, yeah. It's sort of remindful of uh, St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, which is really cool. Giant pillars and whatnot. Or Brunelleschi's Dome, the Cathedral of Santa Maria del Fiore in Florence. Kind of similar as well. And we do get to see the remains of the Dragon Pit next season. That would have been a a competitive structure, like a big, huge domed structure, but that's been destroyed as well. So all the, all the big fancy buildings are in King's Landing are getting destroyed. This is why I think King's Landing is going kaboom in season eight. (laughs) Yeah. Like all these big, nice buildings are getting destroyed as Magor's keep next, the red keep, you know, Magor's hold fast. Uh, I think so. Damn. I hope not. That building is so cool. I know. I'd love to explore all the tunnels and the secret passageways and everything like that. They're really cool in the book, the way that they're described. Oh, really? Yeah, like much more detail in the show. Like like you press on like one specific brick in the wall and like a, like a you know, like a passageway oh, will so form like down into the ground. passageways. Yeah, it's sick. Crazy. Yeah, totally. So. Cue the most amazing music. Yes. On the planet. It's not quite yet, though. First, we get silence and all these things are happening. We get a couple shots of people preparing and Cersei is because we, we learn that there's about to be the trial today. Cersei's watching from her balcony. Tommen is being dressed. Marjorie is being dressed. The High Sparrow is getting dressed himself as opposed to every. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> they don't know it. But <laughs> it was so ominous as they were getting dressed. Yeah. When as a first time viewer. Totally. So ominous. The tension and the silence amplifies it. It's like, why are we watching these four specific people prepare for the trial? Yeah. And yeah, without the music, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? It's so intense. And um, so they're putting like this huge, like golden necklace on Tommen and it's got like lions in different positions on these big plates that are hanging down in sequence. I find it so interesting. Like. You know, technically he's a Baratheon, but he wears like lion jewelry, yeah. like all the all the Lannister kids do that. But technically they're Baratheon. And I just 
I'm not sure like what to like make of that. Like if I were living in this time resident of King's Landing or something. Yeah. Like, why aren't you wearing a stag? <laughs> well, he is wearing the like the stag horn helmet. That's or, uh, true. Helmet. The crown. crown. The yeah. crown. Yeah. <laughs> helmet. <laughs> That's true. So there's like an homage to both sides of his family and his in his garb here. But that necklace like way outweighs that like teeny tiny little crown that crushes his hair. <laughs> yeah. It is a, such a badass necklace. I think it's huge. It's amazing. I love the rubies. Yeah. And the way, like the sounds that it makes when they're lifting it up and everything. That's one thing that really stands out with this scene with the, with the absence of music, you really hear the, like the jingling of all Tommen's jewelry and everything like that. It's pretty interesting. I love the shot that we get of Marjorie and they're, they're doing up her corset and she's just like looking down. She's just very still in this shot. Yeah. It's a perfect silhouette of her. Yep. And then it's in that moment that the a pair of the faith militant opens the doors and then the music kicks in and it's the light of the seven mm. and everybody's hearts like sinks who's seen this before as <laughs> it just elicits such powerful emotion as we know what's going to happen uh it's crazy how music can do that before we even see the tragedy beginning like it just hit me you know you just get that pit in your stomach yeah definitely i I just can't believe ramin jawadi did not win an emmy for this really oh man yeah i know i i think he like how i i know he won an emmy for um the dragon and the wolf in season eight oh nice in season eight (laughs) yeah or sorry season seven um he actually won his emmy the night that we were at the live concert experience that's that's so cool so he wasn't there to accept it because he was in san jose directing this concert (laughs) yeah that's great yeah it was and he like there was just an extra buzz in the air because of it you could just tell totally so Um, cool and it was i think it was his first one for the show oh nice yeah i think you're right too i think you remember you telling me that yeah so i just it blows my mind that this light of the seven did not win an emmy because it's unbelievable yeah it's it's so good so many different sections and uh, he plays the organ um at the experience he he gets up on this big organ and like plays the organ part of light of the seven it's unbelievable (laughs) So the uh, the song kicks in and all of these people start filling into the to the um, to the sept and flooding in and the crowd is building and we know the whole place is going to blow. So we're like, oh, shit, the people are getting in here. This is not good. Lambs to the slaughter. Yeah. Lambs to the slaughter. Exactly. And then it cuts to Loris's cell and he's just like, uh, like sitting like defeated in the corner, basically all curled up. It looks up and, like just pure defeat. Yeah. And we get a shot from behind, like from facing him from the door. And the first thing we see come into frame is a knife and it's Lancel and company. And as Lancel's cronies gather Loris cronies. to his feet yeah, and start bringing him out. We see Lancel like, ah, like kind of wielding the knife in the background. And that's the knife that he's going to use to carve his forehead. Yeah. So they drag, drag him out and start bringing him into the, into the sept. And we, we start getting glimpses of all the other people in here. 
the high sparrows coming down the steps. We see Mace and Marjorie appearing. Then it cuts to the Red Keep and Tommen is sitting there. And I love how it keeps cutting back and forth between all these different scenes that are going on and like the way that it's all happening kind of simultaneously. It's building tension. Yeah, it's so nuts. And yeah, and even including Picel in here too. That's like something that's easily forgotten. He got my money. <laughs> so someone walks into Tom and, and tells him, you know, that the trial's about to begin and he's he doesn't say anything. He just kind of sits there <laughs> and then it cuts over to Cersei and they're hooking up a chain between these sort of metallic shoulder pads that she has on her new outfit. Oh, my God. Her dress. Right. Is unreal yeah this is sort of like a beginning the beginning of her new sort of militant armored look those shoulders those like steel shoulders on that black oh my god she looks as much as i dislike cersei she looks incredible in this yeah it's she looks sharp really sharp super sharp yeah yes great word for it yeah and so I, I I thought that like, oh, this this new militant look is being put in place right as she prepares to strike and she's sort of stepping up as the general here. <laughs> it's pretty intense and conviction just fills her eyes and her face. She's so pleased with herself. Yeah, she's just like watching out over the over the view, just waiting for her the explosion, basically, you know, <laughs> and then. Yeah. Tommen is just sitting there and the attendant walks out and he's he look he looks really nervous this whole time too like he looks like he's really he doesn't want to go over there you know and then Cersei's handmaiden places like this massive amethyst ring on her finger or like a giant crystal ring how cool is that yeah that was so crazy yeah huge then we get our first little bit of Pycelle and I remember, oh my God, it's in this episode when Pycelle gets killed. Yeah, Holy shit. I totally forgot that. This is all like so clever, like intensely orchestrated by Cersei. This attack is multi-pronged. She's got these little kids running around doing all kinds of stuff. Which She literally blows up every threat she has. Yeah, she eliminates the Everything. Tyrell family, excluding Olena. She gets rid of the High Sparrow and a ton of the followers. Yeah, most of them, you know, like a lot of them at least. Um, They were probably all gathered there, though, for that event. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Um, Yeah, Pycelle gone. So nuts. Kevin gone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Kevin as well. That's a good point. So the Lannisters are out of the way. Yeah. And so it's hilariously here. Pycelle is uh, doing what he's normally doing, having sex with hookers, right? (laughs) And that's the biggest, one of the biggest disasters about this whole thing is that this poor lady never gets paid the money that she's owed. Pycelle, you dirty rat. (laughs) Yeah. She gets up and walks away. Like you said, you got my money. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) go away. Yeah, go away. (laughs) Oh, it's so brutal. And she's like, (sighs) you know, and walks out. And as Pycelle's leaving, this little girl comes up to him and appears, whispers in his ear. And uh, he's like, oh, he goes to follow her, you know. And uh, it's, it's crazy just that these little kids are doing all this stuff. Kyburn's little assassin. It's kind of really messed up yeah, in a way. It, totally. it harkens back to like um, Hard Home with like the little skeleton kids, except these are living children. Oh, like, oh my God. That's a great parallel. Great parallel. I, Good catch. Yeah, it's just... It's really disturbing. Totally. Um, 
He's so like, I, you know, on one hand, he's all caring with the little kids, like helping them out with their families and, and giving them treats and stuff. And then on the other hand, he's like destroying their innocence by allowing them or encouraging them <laughs> or organizing like murders. Yeah, it's super disturbing. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't really have an opinion other than that about it, like know, right? how they could convince kids to do it and have them not think that it's wrong is a disturbing thought. Right. Yeah, it's so crazy. So then Loris gets dragged into the sept and gets brought down in front of the High Sparrow. And the High Sparrow's like, are you prepared to stand trial? Did you notice that his hair was all cut off too? Oh, right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Loris's hair is all, all like, you know, shorn away. So I away. think that's what Lancel was doing with the knife inside the cell because he had long shaggy hair. Right. So he lifts the knife right. up good and call. then the next time we see Lance, or not Lancel, Loris... His hair's all, like, cut short. Good catch. Yeah, I missed that. Definitely why they had the knife down there. So Loris is like, no, I'm not ready to stand trial. We don't need that shit. I'm going to confess. You've broken me into a million pieces. Yeah, he's just, like, destroyed. He's re- I just want to get this over with. I don't care if you carve some weird symbol in my face. I just want to get out of here. Yeah, and the High Sparrow's like, well, great cool he's like nodding like what what well, what crimes will you be confessing to all of them yeah he's like yeah i did it i did all this stuff you know i i even had sex with the traitor and the audience like oh, ranley baratheon oh and everybody freaks out in the audience <laughs> yeah it's like such a shock to everybody My ears are burning <laughs> yeah he's like you know talking about all the stuff that he's done and he he perjured himself before the gods he's Guilty of all these things, depravity, profligacy, arrogance. He sees that now, you know, now his vision's clear and he's humbled himself before the seven and he is willing to accept whatever punishment the gods deem just. And I was like, huh, profligacy, that's a cool word. What does that mean? <laughs> so I had to look that up. I have up. no idea. What does it mean? It's a noun. Shameless, dissoluteness, reckless extravagance, great abundance. Huh. So his whole, like, his fanciness and... That's pretty descriptive of Loris. And Tyrell, Tyrell yeah, nature Tyrell's in, in general. general. Like, yeah, really extravagant and abundance is like, you know, that, yeah, that's their thing, basically. So the High Sparrow is saying that although the God's judgment is fierce, it's also fair. And those who kneel before the mother are shown her mercy. And so Loris kneels down with his like face to the ground, basically, and sa- he's, he basically says that he wants to he's devote his, his life. life to the yeah. seven. Yeah. Oh my God. He's taking full responsibility for everything he's done, he's done, all of his sins, and this is how he's chosen to unburden himself. He's going to abandon his name. Yeah, and I'm like, Renounce no! his lordship. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah the high sparrow is <laughs> like, you understand fully what this means like <laughs> mace, mace, mace loses oh, his shit he's losing yeah. it he's like this is blasphemy it's crazy he it, it cuts to a wide shot and and um loris is like i do i will abandon the tyrell name and all that goes with it and you can see in the crowd one movement and it's mace tyrell's hand shooting yep, up to his mouth up to his face yeah yep. and uh, then it cuts to a close shot of mace tyrell and his hand is at his mouth and he's, uh, as Loris talks about renouncing his lordship and claims on High Garden. He's never going to have children or get married. 
And every time he says something like this, there, I just envision like a knife going into Loris Tyrell's heart. Oh. It's just like it just keeps going, you yep, know, deeper it's, and it's, deeper. Yeah. <laughs> and this this kind of uh. sounds like the Night's Watch, you know, never marrying, never having children, re- renouncing lordship and all that. Um, interesting yeah. little uh, comparison there. Definitely. So Loris starts breaking down and crying and the High Sparrow asks him basically to dedicate his life to the seven to, to commit himself to the gods. And Loris agrees and, and claims that he will do it. I love the way he says, I will, because it's fully believable. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty like, uh, true. Brother Loris, I ask you to dedicate your life to the seven gods. Will you fight to defend your faith against heretics and apostates? I will. I think it, it's so honest because he's like, I just want to move on and not be in a cell anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm it, it was almost like there was a a, tw- a twinge of like begging, you know, like, yeah, I definitely. Will, like, I like will. let's get this going. Like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And he lifts his face up and knows what's coming next as they grab him by the head and hold him still and begin to carve the, the seven pointed star in his forehead in the circle. That is brutal. With that giant dagger instead of like a smaller knife, which would be much more easier to like (laughs) draw. And this pushes Mace over the edge basically. And he freaks out and starts to run forward (laughs) and everybody around him (gasps) like turns towards him and Marjorie stops him and holds him back and restrains him. Faith is the way, Father. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, uh, she's like saying, have faith in the plan, you know, like, (laughs) just just relax. But also saying, like, this is what he's got to do. Like, he has to, you know, claim to to be faithful to get out of this, basically. Yep. And I'm like, oh, my God. And during that whole scene, the music was basically gone as well. And then all of a sudden it cuts back to Cersei's chamber and we get more of the light of the seven. The song comes back in. And the handmaiden is finishing getting Cersei dressed. And then we cut to Tommen and someone walks into the room. You hear thump, thump, thump. And you know it's Sir Gregor. Yeah, yeah, we know those footsteps. Just by those footsteps. Yeah, and Tommen stands up like, ah, I'm ready. Okay, let's let's go. You know, finally we'll we'll head over there. I know I'm a little late, but we're gonna go. But nope, as he walks forward. It's the mountain. I love the stare down. Yeah, he turns around and he's like, oh my God, as the mountain is looking down at him. And the stare His down is so His lips are hilarious. pursed and Tom is just like looking up at him like, yep. he oh, looks so tiny. Yeah, he just looks so shrimplish, shrimpish, like very yes. tiny. And he starts walking over to pass him. He's like, I'm late. We need to go. And in the mountains, the hand just shoots out and just grabs his shoulder and stops him dead in his tracks. And it's like, eh, eh. Can't stop. Won't stop. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going nowhere, bitch. Nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so um, then it cuts back to Cersei, right? Yep, and she's looking to make sure everyone's gone because she's going to pour herself a glass of wine and watch the show. Oh, man. 
So Marjorie is pissed off that they've cut up Loris's forehead and she walks over to this, the highest sparrow and starts being like, what the hell? Like you, you gave me your word, but you guys mutilated him. What the hell's going on here? I like how she used the, uses the word mutilated. Yes. Uh, definitely true. So the high sparrow tells her that once the, once the queen mother's trial is concluded, brother Loris, as he now calls him is free to leave. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Loris's trial is done. Why does Loris's freedom now depend on Cersei and her trial? Like these two things are entirely unrelated. Loris should be able to leave immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's He's not, not cool. hanging around here. Yeah. And, and Marjorie is like, well, where the hell is Cersei? Right. And we get like our first clue that something is not right. And I love that it's Marjorie that figures it out. Yeah, yeah, she's ever ever sharp. No one else is thinking like, oh, where's Cersei? Like, here's Loris, where's Cersei? Like, something weird is going on here. <laughs> yeah, um, conspicuously absent. And, the, and the, the king as well, not there to oversee the queen's uh, brother's trial. Yeah. Like, I mean, what the fuck is going on here, something's right? Something's wrong, exactly. So Lancel says, her litter never left the Red Keep. And um, we learn that she's, apparently she just she's not coming, right? And I'm like, oh shit, this is not good. And that's when she's pouring herself that glass of wine. And uh, <laughs> the high sparrow tells Lancel to go to the Red Keep and to show her the way. I just thought oh that was God. an ominous line, right? Yes. Yeah, super ominous. He's so cocky here. He thinks he's one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. It, it causes him to be so blind to Marjorie and it drives me crazy every time. Like the high sparrow, you mean? Yes. The high sparrow, like think for one second, right? Like Marjorie has to like spell it out for him. Yeah, totally. It's so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But also like, look at how huge and monumental this building is. You wouldn't imagine like you being able to explode, you know, at the same time, like you wouldn't think that, you're touchable kind of it just feels like such a huge piece of fortress yeah like a fortress of protection you know and surrounded by your men and everything like that so and also as far as we know he was not around during the battle of blackwater bay right so he didn't see the power of wildfire wildfire. in, in person and neither did neither did marjorie but she knows how insane cersei is I'm thinking like no one there even is really thinking about the wildfire because it was right. used in Blackwater Bay. There's not supposed to be any more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, you know, I'd be like, fuck, those guys are hiding more. You know, <laughs> they have more. If they employed <laughs> yeah. it on that occasion, they've definitely got more. Yeah. Not I mean, like that was a lot more to it. Those catacombs were just like, you know, what made me like nervous, too, is they were like all leaking. <laughs> it's like they weren't very like well sealed to begin with. Right. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Super crazy. Uh, really unstable. It's amazing that it lasted so long down there without any, without anything like triggering it. Sure. I mean, I guess you have to go down there to like light a spark, but still. Yeah. Even like if one of those things fell over, like you, you just, the just dropping could, could cause it to go, you know, Doesn't yeah, even, you don't even need so... fire to start it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, my I don't goodness. think so. You can just drop it and boom. Like, oh, damn. It's like, um, it's like it can be, you know, activated by kinetic energy, essentially sort of like, um, nitroglycerin. Sure. Yeah, like, exactly. Like in Lost when Arst gets exploded. 
All right, we're not going to take any more of this stuff than we need because nitroglycerin is extremely temperamental. So we just... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Or in, in Fight Club, Tyler Durden's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are now firing a gun at your imaginary friend near 400 gallons of nitroglycerin! <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. So Cersei walks out to the balcony because the show is about to begin. And <laughs> this is where everything starts to happen. We know something's wrong. Cersei's not showing up. The tension is building at the sept. Lancel and his goons go to leave and to try to grab Cersei. And as they walk out to the front there's steps, there's that cute little boy. Yeah, this little little bastard runs down the st- <laughs> runs down the stairs, and it just seems odd. Something about this does not seem right, you know. Well, and like, as what the, the, as the viewer too, so we've seen a, a, a little kid. girl approach Pycelle yep. already. Yep. Now we're seeing a little bird here approaching or like beckoning essentially Lancel to follow right. him. And with the reveal, like you mentioned just now of them being little birds a few episodes ago. Now, every time we see a little kid, we're like, ooh, something, oh, something's going bird. on here. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. you know that they're involved somehow. So now you know that Kyburn is involved right. because they're his little birds. Because yep. we see those both those kids with the sweet um, plums or the dried plums from oh, Dora. Really? Yeah, they're both in that shot too. Nice. Um, good, good catch. So then that should trigger you to think, okay, well, Kyburn is Cersei's like right hand man. Yeah. So now we know Cersei's involved somehow. There's something going on. Yeah. And she, uh, and she does name Kyburn her, her hand, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Yeah. So, like you said, right hand man. There you go. Yeah, so you you know, I did not really pick up on that, obviously, as a first-time viewer, but definitely the next time around, I saw that connection there. Like, right, because oh, when she's crowned in this scene, is Kyburn wearing the pin at that point? We never see him be named Hand of 
the king. Right. It's just like the pin is there all of a sudden, right? Yeah. We'll look it up as we go. So we'll have an answer coming up. Yeah. It would be cool if it was this episode because then it would be him and Tyrion both being raised to hand in the same episode. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely double check. Yeah. So I'm just thinking as this kid is running down the steps, it's just so creepy how they use little kids to do all this dirty stuff, you know, like, oh man, it's so weird. And Lancel, is, his spidey senses start tingling and he's like, what the hell is going on here? And he commands his guys to go rally the troops, basically get the other guys so they can go hit the red keep. And uh, the, the little kid runs down around the corner and Lancel has to look over the railing and watch where he's going. As he enters a doorway at the bottom of the steps and goes underneath the sept. And the little kid kind of keeps like looking back at him like, I yeah, see like, you, like, yep. I see you watching me. Come on, follow me. Yeah. And if not saying follow me, definitely making like no, taking note that he's being watched, you know, like looking over his shoulder as he's doing his, stu- his thing, right? Exactly. So it's suspicious. So cuts back to the, to Pycelle's lab or to Kyburn's lab now in the Red Keep and the, that little girl walks in with Pycelle. And you know, you, you immediately see where they are, too. They're in Kyburn's little laboratory. Yeah, totally. So now we definitely know Kyburn's involved. Yep. And then back to Lancel as he's following this little kid inside the, the tunnels. Again, in the back and forth of, you know, these different moments in kind of sequential, you know, the same time frame. Yeah, it, it's building tension. Oh yeah, as a, as a viewer, because you're like, oh my god, oh my god, yeah, oh my and, god, oh my you god. Just, <laughs> you just know it's all gonna like hit the hit the fan at the same time in all of these different situations. Like they're all just gonna go haywire simultaneously. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> so the music cool. is starting to build. It's getting a little bit thicker, and yep. we get kind of more of the strings starting here, which. I love their the use of like the cellos and the violins in Game yeah. of Thrones music. But all <sighs> these different like sections we're going through in the song and the different layers that are coming in and stuff. And yeah, it's just yeah, so pretty good. soon we're going to start getting that organ. Oh, my God. I love the organ. It just yeah. like takes it to that. Religious level like, <laughs> of because they're in they're in a they're in a religious space, right, you know, right, so right. it's true to what's happening in the moment. But the sound of an organ is just so bold and it really cuts through the air and it's impactful. Definitely. It's, it's a totally. big instrument to use so in, a, in a like orchestra setting, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a lot of sound. And this, yeah, the strings are just so cool, too. But yeah, this kid's running down this hall, like this tunnel lit by torches. And uh, Lancel's like, what the fuck is going on? And chases after him. And then Pycelle walks back into the, like walks further down into the lab and sees Kyburn sitting there. And we learn that, that Pycelle has been lured down here under false pretenses. He's like, where's the king? You know? <laughs> and he's like, like, not down here. Yeah. He's like, I was told that like, what is the meaning of this? And then he, it's like, he doesn't get it yet. He's like, he's like, Ugh. he gets frustrated and he's like, I have more important things to do. And Starts walking out and Kyburn starts begging for his forgiveness. And it's so creepy. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He's just like, Grand Maester, I bear you no ill will, you know, please forgive me if you can. And I'm like, fuck, creepy Kyburn, man. They don't call him that for no reason. He's so creepy. He's 
definitely creepy. And poor Pycel, man. I mean, as big as a, as a douche as he is, poor old man was lured under false pretenses here to his death. And that's never fun for anybody. So you, you do have to feel a little bit of sympathy for Pycel here. Yeah. Yeah. So Pycel kind of like realizes the fix is in. And he turns around and unexpectedly, it's a, a little kid holding a knife. I know. It's so disturbing. Yeah, it's I can't even. So creepy. And that's and it's like you said at the Battle of Hardhome, you know, like with those little kids, a similar type vibe, very similar. And then at this moment, this the choir comes in over the song and it's like starts to amplify the intensity. It's like the dissonance of their voices, too. It's really intense. Right. And everything is starting to really hit the fan as the knife comes out here. And Lancel continues to follow this kid through the tunnels. And all of a sudden, back in Kyburn's chamber, more kids come coming out of the shadows with knives. It's like a scene from a horror movie. Right. And, and uh, Lancel's running through this darkness. And then Kyburn is speaking to, to Pycel, telling him that, like, even he is, like, saddened by this situation, which is so, it's so fucked up that, Ky, like, Kyburn is such a complex and interesting character, you know? He's, like, feeling his emotions is. and, like, understands how horrible this is. But at the same time, he's, like, loving it and on some level, you know what I mean? Like, he's, it's, he's a really interesting character. I, I want to know what makes him tick, you know? Yeah, definitely. He's like, whatever your faults, you know, you don't deserve to die alone in such a cold, dark place. Like this, this pains me. But (laughs) sometimes before we can usher in the new, the old must be put to rest. We got to throw out the old (laughs) to get the new. Yeah. And this, (laughs) this reminded me of this Kenny Powers quote from Eastbound and Down. You ever see it? No. Oh, it's so funny. Danny McBride sits down at the lunch table in this little this elementary school where he's teaching, and uh, this guy is like, "Hey, Kenny Powers, remember me?" And he's like, "No." Yeah, it's me, Stevie, Stevie Janowski. We met, we, we went to high school together. Sorry, nothing. I've got a lot of memories in my life, and sometimes you kind of have to dump the small ones to make room for the bigger ones. totally insults him like right to his face this kind of reminded me of that like sometimes before we usher in the new we need to put the old to rest (laughs) i was like oh kenny powers oh my god when he said that i got like goosebumps the first time i was like pycelle's done for yeah totally and then that little girl she like pulls that blade out i'm just like oh my god like and then it goes down back to lancel yeah. And he finds this tunnel and he's like, what the hell is this madness? <laughs> madness is having another day in King's Landing and gets on his knees and starts crawling. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really reminds me. I, I know I've made this reference before, um, like the, the Paris Opera House back in like the. Oh, in the Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Oh, my God. Like those catacombs and. Um, the house of black and white has reminded me of it. The sept of Baylor has reminded me of it just due to their shapes. Yep. Um, the shape of the outside and come to see that there's also like these catacomb type structures down, you know, underneath in the belly of the building. Yeah, it's, totally. It's really cool. 
And the ones in Phantom of the Opera, I know that they're, you know, they're filled with water, which makes them even more awesome. That's cool. Yeah. But, um, I, I it just, you get that vibe, that creepy vibe. Right. That like, like old, something's like mysterious vibe. Something's lurking down there. Yeah, totally. So Lancel's crawling through this hole and then the kids are stabbing Picel and Kyburn is like watching intently. It's what, like his look here is so creepy, man. It's like, he's like reveling in it, but also kind of disgusted by it at the same time. And like, I think he's just so fascinated with that fine line between life and death. Oh, it's so interesting. You know, it's like, that's what it feels like to me, at least like he's so intrigued with life after death and like dying and living and kind of meshing the two together, which is kind of what we get in the mountain. And, you know, I think he is intently studying the process of death here. Right. Like he does with the white in season seven when he's like picks up the hand. Yeah. (laughs) And like his like rat experiments and sure. All of his, you know, just stuff like that. So I think he's looking at it. And this is, you know, creepy in itself is he's looking at it from almost like an objective perspective of like it's scientific. Yeah. 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 Which is creepy. You know, calculated clinical. And he's fascinated by the process. I think that's the look on his face. It's not like. I guess, you know, that's what I can make of it. Yeah. Interesting. So here we have a necromancer sicking his little birds on. (laughs) this old guy Picel and it's sort of it's like a combination of two other scenes it's like little kids jumping all over him like Carsey getting killed at hard home but then it's also Mm -hmm. like he's getting stabbed repeatedly like like um leaf by the whites in the tunnel when the right after the uh, the three-eyed raven gets killed yes and all of those whites are jabbing leaf over and over the child of the forest nice parallel yeah, interesting. So it's like a combination of the two. And in that case, those whites were also being controlled by a necromancer, too. So another similar kind of parallel there. Nice. I like it. So Lancel steps, like, stands up into this chamber and it's a long hallway. And he's looking around for this kid. He's like, where the fuck is he? And he's like, it's funny. He thinks he's like, he thinks he's, he's a boss running this shit. He thinks he's a Mac. Macaroni. And, uh, He's like, the longer you wait, the worse it'll be for you. <laughs> Trying to find this little kid. <laughs> and he's suddenly distracted as he sees all these bizarre barrels all around him. With like this glowing green yeah, and goo. He see, we, don't, we don't see it quite yet, but he sees something oh, off true. in the distance. Yeah. And is, is looking off in a way. And all of a sudden the kid comes up from behind him and just ah, stabs him right in like the kidney or something. <laughs> <laughs> Pow! Right in the kitchen. <laughs> and... He kind of, oh, like drops to the ground and the kid is like, runs away. And as he's lying there, the kid comes back and leans over and is like looking at him. And it's so creepy, man. And Lancel's just like, what the fuck is going on here? What are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) And um, I was just thinking like, it's, he had to crawl through that little tunnel to get here. Cersei had to send her birds like all over this city to find this thing like, it was pretty well hidden. No wonder it managed to stay hidden for so long. Yeah, they went a ways down, or at least it seemed that way to me, that they went through those tunnels for yeah, a I while. Think it's, it's it's implied that it, they went pretty far down, and then they hear the, all the sound before the explosion, like it's happening so far down. You know, like... Yeah, it's exactly. Pretty crazy. 
so, like a guttural rumbling. Yeah, so it's so creepy, and we don't see anything down there yet. It cuts back to the sept, and people are stirring and murmuring, and like the tension is building, and obviously something's not right at this point. People are starting to like talk amongst themselves and question like what's going on and marjorie is getting anxious loris is just standing there bleeding too and it's like what's okay so is this (laughs) trial over yeah he's just like just leaning with his like head dangling hanging down and yeah like what the hell they're holding him for no reason like his trial's over he should be able to go right exactly cuts back to lancel and he's dragging himself through the tunnel at this point towards something we and we see a glimmer of light in the distance And this is when the the strings... Playing double notes. Start coming in and playing. Oh, it's so amazing. So good. And it cuts back to Cersei. And she's standing out in the balcony just watching. Like, watching the opera from, like, balcony seats, basically, you know? I want to get her, like, those little hand binoculars. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a great meme. Totally. And uh, she's watching, just sitting there, and Marjorie's looking around, and Lancel is crawling closer and closer to the other end of the hall, and we start to see a green glow. So you think he got stabbed in, like, the gut area? I feel like he got, like, cut in the legs. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was in the gut. I I would have to go back and watch, but I always got the impression that his legs weren't working because he's like pulling his legs through the dirt like it could have been like at his lower spine Ooh, yeah yeah like like his lumbar area so kyburn would have had to teach that little kid how to like where that is oh that's (laughs) fucked up it's so yeah just remind it because there's a shot we get of Lancel's just his like legs and they're not moving. Yeah, he's totally dragging himself with his with his arms. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I would feel like even if he did get like stabbed in like I mean, like you said, the liver or the kidney or like somewhere in the gut, like his legs would still work. Right. Yeah, that's what like he think. would crawl with his legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's so intense watching him crawl. It's like a yeah. part of me is like Go, go, go. Like, yeah, part of it's me like, is yeah, like, yeah, totally. Oh my God, this is going to happen. It's so fucked up because Marjorie's up there. We don't want something bad to happen to Marjorie. So we're like rooting for Lancel. Strangely, it's crazy how this show can make you root for people that you hate. You know? know. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's like my whole love hate relationship with Jamie Lannister. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, him exactly. now, but I can't stand him at the beginning. Yeah, he's despicable. Totally. So it cuts back to Marjorie and she she's had enough. She she's outwardly saying now something's wrong. And it's like she knows. And she's talking to the high sparrow and he's like like nothing's wrong. Like you don't have to worry about anything. The trial's going to sh- start shortly. Just chill. And Marjorie has to spell it out here. She's like Cersei is not here. Tommen is not here. What why do you think they're not here. Think about this for a second. She knows the consequences of not being here and she's not here anyways. Yeah. She's chosen not to be here anyway. Yeah. She doesn't think she's going to suffer the consequences. There's something direly wrong here. Like we have right. to get out of here. So clearly Marjorie sees that Cersei has some sort of backup plan. And since everybody's all gathered together there, all Cersei's enemies, she figures it's probably some sort of monstrous strike. And uh, I like the High Sparrow's line. He says, well, even if she doesn't show up here, she's going to be tried regardless, right? She, We can't escape the justice of the gods. And I was like, oh, 
We can't escape the justice of the gods, eerily foreshadowing his inability to escape, <laughs> to escape this sex. His own in just justice. In a few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And so Sir, uh, Marjorie is like, forget, forget about, about it. the bloody gods. Yeah, yeah like, it's crazy. And you, this is a crack in her armor, too, because she's like been playing off this super devout person. And for her to say that. Right. And she's like, the facade is dropping now. I mean, he looks extremely startled and everyone kind of looks at her and she's like, seriously, like, this is how serious this is. Like, yeah, the trial can wait. I'm not playing around anymore. I'm not playing this stupid, like, you know, role of pretending to, like, be on your team. This is life and death here. We have to get serious. Right. She's like, we all need to leave. The trial can wait. And he's kind of like, he scoffs at that. He's like, you know, and like. It's like you fucking idiot. Right. Then it cuts back and Lancel is almost at the end of the tunnel and the camera pans downwards and we have the reveal of the wildfire. It's and this, this glowing was, goo. Yes. And this was, it's oh, like, like Ninja Turtles movies. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yes. Right. And this was an epic moment for viewers because we had predicted beforehand that Cersei was going to blow up the sept. So for book readers and for people who had picked up on the clues, like Tyrion mentioning a couple episodes ago about the the wildfire hidden under the Sept of Baelor, this was a major moment for us. Like we totally predicted this, you know, and we're like, oh my God, it's going to happen. And so he sees these pools of green liquid and candles burning in the middle. And he knows what it is, too, because he was at the Bla- Battle of the Blackwater. So he's seen the wildfire before. So he knows exactly what yeah, this stuff is. He's like, fuck. Fuck. Yeah, not good. And I love the way that this is rigged with the candle like <laughs> burning down. And when it gets to a low enough point and the flames hit the wildfire, it'll explode. It kind of reminded me there is like a of like rigged bombs that they have in movies where like they use a cigarette as the fuse or something like that. And yeah. it gives it the, the bomber just enough time to escape. <laughs> it's so cool. I hope that little boy escaped, even though. Oh, he did for sure. He's <laughs> yeah. Even though he's a scumbag. He had enough time. Yeah. <laughs> so Lancel sees the candles and sees the wildfire And then he starts looking around the room at all the casks and he's starting, he's realizing exactly what is going on here. He knows he needs to blow those candles out. (laughs) Yeah. From a distance, he saw like something was fucked up and he was crawling, but now he's realizing, oh my God, this whole place is full of wildfire. This is bad. And oh man, blowing the candles out is in itself is dangerous. Imagine you, you blow that flame and it goes down at an angle and just, just licks that wildfire one, a little bit. Or just like one little ember jumps off the wick. Right, right, right. Boom. <laughs> I would I would do the little like lick your fingers and squeeze it out trick. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Even that, if it meant burning my fingers. <laughs> better range than blowing too. And uh, so he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. And starts like really like crawling faster, scrambling with his, with his arms and his, his, you can like kind of see his fingers like digging into the dirt, you know? Yeah. It's, it's intense. You're like kind of rooting, rooting for Loris at this or not Loris. I always get those two mixed up just (laughs) by their names. Lancel. Yeah. You just like, you want him to get there because now Marjorie's involved. Right. And poor Loris, Loris as well. Yeah, and she's like to the crowd. She goes, we all need to leave now. And people start looking around. Yeah, she's yelling at this point. And it's it's heartbreaking watching her trying in vain to 
escape and to save people and knowing that she's not going to be able to considering we already know the outcome. I just, it, it pisses me off so much that they stop everybody else from leaving. Like, right. That's the thing. Like now I, I wrote that down too. Why can't, if you guys want to stay, if, if the Septons want to stay oh. and finish the trial, go for it. Like let the common people out. Yup. Marjorie's atoned for her sins. She doesn't need to be there. Mace right. Tyrell doesn't need to be there to hear the sentence. Let those people go if they want to leave. Right. They're why holding can't they all leave? these. They're like detaining all these innocent people now. It's it's fucked up. Yeah, that's what like bothered me about the High Sparrow the most is they can't go on their own free will. Like no one had to go there. Right. Nobody else is is like no obligated one was forcing to be there people at all. to go there. Yeah, so why can't they leave on their own free will? Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Definitely messed up. I didn't like that either. That was something that stuck out to me as well. So yeah, Marjorie it's really is like, bothersome. Yeah, she goes and grabs Loris. And she's like, stay with me. And starts leading him along. And they, they're cut off at the pass. The, the sparrows are blocking the way. And like sparrows dressed up in their chains crossed all over their chests and backs. Now the scum, you know. And um, Marjorie's like struggling against them. Like, tell I like them, how she through. like takes a moment though. She's like gonna start pushing, and she like stops and looks at them, and she goes, "Let us through." Let me through. Yeah. She stays calm. Uh-huh. She's, and then she at starts panicking. Least, yeah. yeah. And then it, we get a glimpse of Mace. <laughs> he's so pathetic. He's wigging. Right? He's wigging, but he's so pathetic. His his face is like oh, and he's just like just getting like he's like drifting along in the current of of people completely yes. out of control just like like a piece of driftwood essentially being guided by these people that are moving him along and he's he kind of looks over at marjorie he's just watching her like oh my god just useless and weak and powerless it's pretty crazy it is pretty crazy. and that's when marjorie loses her shit and she's like let us through you know yeah yeah, and then she's like, now it's sur- it's survival mode. Yep, and then it cuts back to the tunnels, and the music gets insane here as the, oh the my strings God. are dun 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 dun, you know, like accelerating and, the, and ascending. And the organ's and, going now. Yeah, the music is climaxing, and it is so, a lot of sound. And yeah. It's, but it's so clear, it's not muffled. Like you can hear every part of that orchestra playing and it's I amazing. love every second of it. So good. And Lancel reaches the candles finally and tries to blow them out, but they won't blow out. And Marjorie looks back over her shoulder at the High Sparrow and she's just so mad. And the High Sparrow's looking at her, mad at her for interrupting the proceedings basically. And then it cuts back to Lancel. And the, the flame from the candle touch, like dips down and, and it spreads from the candle and touches the liquid and it ignites and it cuts to Lancel's eyes and you can see oh, in his reflection. And you can see the green come through. Oh yeah, the, like just this green explosion reflecting in his eyes. And then he's just incinerated. Eyes. Yes, just vaporized to nothing. And we see in sequence all these barrels just starting to boom, 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 boom. And it's the explosion that we saw in Bran's vision number yep. of episodes back yep exactly so intense and then it cuts back to the sept and we start hearing a rumbling and marjorie is looking at the high sparrow terrified like look what you've made us be subjected to and the high sparrow looks surprised all of a sudden and just has a 
brief second to realize that the whole place is, yeah, that he was wrong and the whole place is about to blow basically. And Mm. in 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 his last moment, he reaches out his hands and looks up to the sky. Yeah. And we see the explosion from beneath. Right from his feet, you know, is the first thing to go. His, his, you know, his pious shoeless feet get destroyed first, you know, and he just goes up in a big green vapor wave. I'm glad we didn't see Marjorie. Like, I'm glad it was over on the high sparrow. You know what I mean? Like, we saw him explode, even though we know, like, everyone else died, too. Right. I'm glad we didn't see, like, the Tyrells get wiped out yeah everybody wanted to see the high sparrow die you know nobody wanted to see marjorie i'm glad i'm glad the show gave us that closure yeah definitely so we get that cool dr manhattan moment with this high sparrow as the meat just like explodes off of his bones and we see his skeleton standing alone for a split second before it turns to dust and then and, we get that bird's eye view of it just. Oh my God. It's like, man. it's like uh, the way it explodes. It's like if you had like a, like an orange or something like a watermelon, like Gallagher and you just smashed it with a huge mallet and it just like shoots outward in every direction from the bottom. Like the whole sept just explodes outwards at the base and just splatters like, um, like, oh my it's God. Like crack, it's almost like cracking an egg. Like dropping an egg. Yeah, like, yeah, it like splats outwards in all directions and upwards. And oh my God, that that explosion is so amazing. How do they do that? And I love that the wildfire, I think I said this in in the Battle of the Blackwater. I love that they made it like that neon green. Yeah, it's so cool looking. It's so cool. And the way they CGI'd or colored in that fire, however they did it, it's believable it's really realistic looking yeah it's amazing it's that little hint of magic too that was initially kind of dabbled in the very beginning of the show very sparsely it's it's very subtle you know it's believable because there's fire you know and right why not just make it like a substance instead of a you know kindling like wood or something totally so we get all these different views of the explosion from like from one angle and another angle as it shoots outwards and upwards and just destroys like all these buildings and immediately surrounding the sept as well. Like just takes out like a whole block basically. And then it cuts down to that one shot at the street, which you love. Right. And the bell comes flying through. Bounces off that building. I love it, but I hate it. I was like, Oh, Oh God. Oh, yeah, it, it ricochets off that building and just splats this guy into the ground. Oh, man. And, like, takes this huge chunk out of the street as it lands. So cool. And Cersei's yeah, just and it goes watching, and she has the smug look on her face. She is so proud of herself. Yeah, she, like, leans her head back and, like, ah, oh, just, like, absorbing the ecstasy of that moment. And uh, like grins and her eyes are like almost all like closed as she's just savoring the glory of her victory. She has this little hint of a smile and she sips her wine and walks away. Yeah. Darth Vader smiles as Alderaan explodes and the Death Star is fully operational. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, she just sips her wine and walks away and cuts back over to Tommen, right? And Gregor leaves. Right, what the fuck? And Tommen is just like like dumbfounded. He cannot believe what he's seeing. This is Cersei's biggest mistake, leaving Tommen alone. Yeah, and she's so like caught up in her in her vengeance and her victory and her She's so pleased with herself. Right, and rubbing it in Septa Unella's face that she doesn't even take the time to think about to make sure that her son is protected or to w- wonder about Someone's how he's watching reacting cuz she knows that he loves Marjorie. She knows that. Right. And this just shows how selfish she is that she cares it's more. It's not about, even on her radar. Yeah. Just, yeah. She just cares more about her own revenge and annihilating the violators than her own son's needs and well being. So instead of going with Tommen and giving him a heads up and preparing him mentally for about for, for what he's about to witness or something, he A is left there watching to be to be caught off guard. To, and then to deal with the trauma of losing his wife and beloved, you know, um, Marjorie. And also his religion yeah. in a way, because he's so bought in. Right. Seeing this like travesty committed by his family against the faith and the destruction of this, this famous monumental holy site, the Sept of Baylor. <laughs> so he's just like shocked in his silence. He can't handle it. Right. Yeah. And then it cuts to Septa Unella, who's strapped to the table. Confess. Yeah. And Cersei's dumping wine all over her, telling her to confess. confess. And the tables have turned. And it's so fucked up. Yeah. She's now given the Septa Unella a taste of her own medicine. And I'm wondering, how did Cersei get Septa Unella here? Because the Septa was, she was like watching over Marjorie, right? So I was thinking if, if Marjorie showed up for the trial without Septa Unella, like leaning over her shoulder, watching her every move, wouldn't that be kind of suspicious? Like what, where did Septa Unella go? It seems like she was charged with watching over Marjorie. But Marjorie had atoned and grandmother's gone. Still though. Yeah. She was at the Red Keep with Marjorie like 24 seven. That's why. Maybe that's how Cersei got her. Yeah, maybe. But that's what I mean. Like if, if uh, Marjorie showed up at the trial without Unella, then that's like a re- another red flag in itself. A red flag. Yeah. I don't know. Good question. So. <laughs> a loose end. <laughs> yeah. Loose end. Oh, big one. No, it doesn't, you know, whatever. Uh, so Cersei starts monologuing, leaning over the shame septa. And she's telling her to confess how good it felt to, to beat her, to starve Cersei and frighten her and humiliate, humiliate her, her when she was captive beneath the sept. And she's like, you didn't do it because you cared about my atonement. You did it because it felt good. Right. And then she goes on a massive confession. I know. I'm like, oh, right. my God. Yeah. She admits that of all the things that she's done because they felt good. Right. And she's very detailed about it. Yeah. Drinking, <laughs> killing her husband, which is like, whoa, that like, you know, she hasn't admitted that before to anybody. <laughs> she even would like to Lance Ellis, like, shut your fucking mouth, you know. And uh, fucking her brother because it feels good to feel him inside her. She says, "Like, damn, that's hard." I know it's like that is super detailed. Too much information. TMI, (laughs) sirs. You could just leave it at fucking your brother, and it still (laughs) gives you goosebumps. Yeah, (laughs) it gives you the heebie-jeebies. Takes it to the next level for sure. And then uh, lying about fucking her brother, and and she confesses to having killed the High Sparrow. 
and Unella's like, oh, you know, and <gasps> killing all his little sparrows, all his septons and septas and his filthy soldiers. And then she's like, has like a totally like Mad King moment. Mad King. I have that in my notes. Mad King moment. Right. Because it felt good to watch them burn. Felt so good to imagine their shock and their pain. And nothing has ever given her greater joy. And uh, like, damn, that's insane. And that's that angry Cersei that that Arya and Lady Crane had been imagining. Right. Yes. (laughs) That monologue. And we're seeing it come out of the shadows now as Cersei finally like uncloaks herself for the whole world to see her true nature um as she admits to being an you know like an, an incestuous maniac and <laughs> yeah she I was just like oh man it's so crazy like the real like Cersei's uncloaking now as she destroys the sept and comes out as like this tyrant you know <laughs> like crazy woman basically and um her next line is pretty amazing. Even confessing feels good under the right circumstances. You know, oh my like, God. <laughs> right? It's like, damn, context is everything. Apparently that was a, like a pretty, pretty intense monologue. And this, it, she takes it to the next level here as, as Sept is refusing to talk and like refusing to break. She's like, you've always been quiet. Right. And she's like, I said, the, my face would be the last thing you saw before you died. Do you remember? And Septa Yunella's like, good. yeah, good. I'm ready to die, bitch. You know, I'm ready to meet the gods. And so she's like, what? No, not right now. You have days to go, girlfriend. I'm going to torture you for a bit. Oh, yeah. And Yunella was not expecting that. And this is a, a great parallel to that scene with Miranda and Sansa. Remember when oh, Miranda's yeah. got the bow and Sansa's like, I'm, you know, like, fine, kill me. You know, I'm ready to die. And uh, Miranda's like, oh, no, yeah, oh, it's just beginning. Right. Same type of scenario. Torture. Like, you're not going to die today. No, 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 no. You're not going to die for quite a while. So Gregor and Gregor walks in and Clunk. and Clunk. She, yeah, Clunk. a known rapist and torturer, you know, maniac, mad dog. He loves doing crazy shit. Yeah. Like eating rats eating their insides out right like eating because that was all like what at heron hall yeah heron hall when he's yeah loves torturing people and stuff or like raping you and splitting you in two with a great sword and uh burning his brother's face you know yeah and and cersei's line here is so creepy too because she had just told you nella you're so, you're always so quiet no and she's like this is sir gregor clegane he's quiet too and I was like, oh, God. I know, because he's taken that vow of silence. Right, until all of her enemies are destroyed and annihilated. Well, so can he talk now? Um, no, Cersei's enemies are never ending. <laughs> Tyrion is still out there. That's true. Danny. Yeah. The Night King. <laughs> so Gregor's standing there in silence and he he's lit, reaches up and starts to take his helm off. And his face is draped with shadows and we get a silhouette and it looks like we can see like the side of his cheek and it looks like a chunk is missing from his face. Did you notice that? Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't believe he finally took his helmet I know. off. We, so we know he has a head. <laughs> at least. Yeah, yeah. And it does look like a chunk of his face is off. I mean, he looks totally. so purple. Oh, gruesome. Oh, my God. Gruesome. It's really... And really creepy, whatever he is. Totally. And then amplifying her, her, 
her last line about Gregor being quiet to the next level of creepiness. Cersei says to the, to the Septa, you know, your gods have forsaken you. This is your God now. <laughs> As the undead abomination, Gregor Clegane, Frankenmountain approaches oh and places God. his helmet down on the table next to her and walks over, over and leans over the top of her. Yeah, she's like, no, yeah. no. And, and she starts struggling and freaking out and Cersei starts walking out and, and shame shame oh my god the irony shame. it's so insane and Gregor's face is just like all mangled and purple and just like disgusting and horrifying and Yunella starts freaking out and freaking out more and more and Cersei right as she closes the door we hear Yunella start to scream in the background and Cersei closes that little window and she's just so pleased with herself little does she know little does she know what that her son is about ready to walk out a window right yeah it's yeah exactly oh yeah so we, that's what we see next. It cuts to Tommen, and he yep. is a broken man at this point. Talk about broken men from the episode uh, just a couple episodes ago with Sandor, right? Yeah. This is so the I moment that breaks this, Tommen. I think this attendant is confirming to him that everyone inside has died. You know, like Marjorie's gone, like yeah. no one escaped, you know. I think you're right, because he probably was like, oh my God, find out, what, what, find word, yes, Marjorie. find word, yeah, find word, what, what happened, like were people inside, basically. Yeah, Even exactly. though he probably knew he needed confirmation, he gets the confirmation, and that's what sends him over the edge to kill himself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think you're right, because the attendant's just like, I'm very sorry, Your Grace. Very, yes, very like sorry. he just delivered the bad news, like yeah. no one survived. And the guy just walks out and Tommen stands Again, there. Again, he's left alone. Yeah, just by himself. It's so fucked up. So like, tragic. Like, where is his Kingsguard? And where is his mother? You know, like, we, I mean, we know where she is, right? I know, like, well, fuck her. She's crazy. But, right. like, but yeah, where's his where's Kingsguard? The, where's the Kingsguard? Good like, question. This is all, like, very weird. Yeah, totally. So he reaches up and takes his crown off. And it's, 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 I love the way that he did this to the acting because his movements are so Tommen, you know, like it's definitely, it's it's very well done. These jerky, kind of like jerky. Yeah. yeah, Spastic. Um, like so funny. Apprehensive too. Like apprehensive movement. Yeah, very apprehensive. And so he, he like takes his crown off and walks out off screen and off frame. And the camera lingers and stays there. And I was like, oh man, as soon as the camera lingered for a second. I thought he was going to come running. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to come like running and like fling himself off. I was like, oh, he's going out that window, you know? And it it reminded me, um, it's like the opposite um, where we, the last time we saw the camera linger like this and we knew something big was happening. Somebody went from being dead to being alive with Jon yes. Snow being dead on the table and the camera lingering to then Jon bursting back to life. Gasping. And in this case, it's the opposite where it, the camera lingers and then somebody who is alive dies. We're like <laughs> waiting for him to die. It's actually in a way kind of like Catelyn Stark's death because you know she's going to die. 
she just watches Rob die. Right. And the, she it, loses like everything. This, and yeah, like the time between she screams and sees Rob die to like when she actually like goes down, it's uncomfortably long. Yeah, exactly. She's just standing there with her eyes closed. And it's like, can someone just end it for her, please? Or let her go? Yeah. And speaking is, of Catelyn, we get Catelyn's death mirrored later this episode with Arya, too, the way she kills Walder Frey. We'll get true. we'll get to that in a little yeah. bit, right? <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was cool um how we that that jump out of the window was sort of telegraphed as the camera lingers and then Tommen walks back into frame and steadfastly, never wavering, steps right up into that window and just drops right down. Mm. And now there's a whole new meaning to the name King's Landing. Oh my God. That's awful. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> That's so horribly awful. <laughs> it's hilarious. Come on. You gotta admit it. It's hilarious. It's bad. <laughs> oh, it's <yeah>. bad. <laughs> poor Tommen. He's poor boy. Like really, you know, we, I know. we always talk about what an inept little tool bag he is, but He's just a poor kid who he was a pawn guidance. in someone else's game. In so many people's games. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. Tragic life in general. He had no direction. And he he seemed like a really good kid. You know, yeah. as as annoying as and stupid as he was. But imagine being his age. Right. And yeah. like trying to figure all this out. Yeah, yeah. Good luck, right? Without Tywin or and with your crazy mother working against you in the shadows. I know. Like, I know. Just yeah. sabotaging i mean this is totally her fault oh this, absolutely Tommen's death is a direct 100 percent cersei's fault it's directly cersei's fault right and like tom and like if, if if he wasn't in subjected to all of this madness he might have been a great king and like and even if he wasn't a king like tom he would have been a great person if he just wasn't subjected to being in a position of power you know what i mean like he's not a ruler he's just like a good little guy who needs to be hanging out and <laughs> you know just chilling yeah not bothering anybody not you know making any waves just doing his thing and yeah he would make a better prince yeah much better prince very a great prince perfect yeah. prince <laughs> i think i think though if he would have taken on the role as king later in his life that he probably would have been a, a decent king. I agree. If Joffrey had lasted another 10 years or even five years. Yeah. He was so impressionable at the age that he became king. And it was so unexpected for him. So unexpected. And he's even younger in the books too. Yeah. He was like, what, 12, 11 or 12. Yeah. Something if that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, crazy. super young. So to, to be thrown into the situation and, you know, to Cersei's point that she made to Tywin is, everyone digging their claws into him. Yeah. Tearing him apart. Marjorie and Tywin and even herself. You know, he's going to gravitate towards what he think is. How could religion be bad? Right. He's just you trying know? to do what's right and do what's moral. And he, I think that's why he was open to the high sparrow. Yeah. His heart was too good for his position. It was, he needed to harden up a little bit Yeah, and that just took, takes years of, you know, being on the planet mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. And proper guidance. And he just lost all of his guidance at inopportune moments here. I, he, you know, he could have been all right. If Tywin was still around, <laughs> you know, basically. Um, I think he would have been led down a really dark path with Tywin. You know, I think if he would have just been able to sit back and watch Joffrey for another 10 years and watch 
kind of the politics that goes around being in a royal family that he would be able to maneuver and make decisions better and not be manipulated. Mm. I think Tywin would have trained him really well, though. I think that Tywin would have improved upon the the faults of of Joffrey with Tommen and uh, molded him into a pretty good leader. Because I mean, Tywin it, it like wasn't trying to be evil necessarily. You know, he was just trying to shore up his family's power essentially. And the the lessons that in the time that he did have with Tommen, I think were were very productive and thought provoking philosophically remember like that conversation when he sweeps Tommen away from Cersei and the sept at Joffrey's funeral. And they're talking, he's talking about what makes a good King, whether it's being pious or whether, you know, like these various aspects. Being just or, yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was very good. Oh, totally. I think he would have been a good influence, but I also think Tywin would have used him for his own vendettas, you know, and manipulated Tommen through through training. Definitely. Definitely. So we get a really cool transition here as Tom and right as he falls out of the window, the camera continues to linger. And before we get, before it cuts to the twins, we hear Walder Frey's voice cut in and it says for house Lannister. Right. And I thought this was interesting. It was a poignant moment for that to, to be said because it illustrates how Cersei's attack on the Sept and everything that she's done was supposed to be for House Lannister as well. Yep. But it ended up resulting in the death of Tommen, who was the last remaining future of House Lannister. And her intent to act in the benefit of House Lannister ended up destroying House Lannister in the end, which is pretty, um, pretty poignant, especially considering the context of her self-fulfilling prophecies and how she tries to prevent all these things from happening, but just causes them to happen in the end and just add the destruction of her house to that list. Right. I, yeah, I agree. It's great. It's a great um, transition. We've talked about that yeah. in, in the past, that the transitions of the show. So good. Are so telling sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Hidden, hidden messages, foreshadowing. Yep. Um, (laughs) You know, pay attention. I'm going to be paying attention to transitions. Even just funny, gross ones. Exactly. (laughs) So it cuts up to Walder Frey in River Run. You want to talk about it? Oh, sure. So Walder's taken all the credit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's so proud. He's like, I got River Run back. And it's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> the Lannisters did, but we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> so he goes, like you said, for House Lannister and the men go, hear me roar. Right, the, the, the <laughs> Lannister house words. Yeah. And then he says, for House Frey. And all the men go, we stand together. Does that relate to the Frey words? I don't know the Frey words. I don't know the Frey words, but that sounds good because the two twins stand next to each other so they're standing together yeah let's see yeah their house phrase words are we stand together so there you, yeah, go. There you go bang so walder's just kind of buttering up the lannisters and kind of harkens back to driving swords through their enemies' hearts basically as he, they kill their enemies they're going to speak the words of the Frey and the lannister alliance which is you know sending their regards oh, which we've heard coming from that so quote. many times jamie totally like accidentally started that thing when he told um 
what did he didn't he tell uh Bruce Bolton to send give yes. Rob Stark his regards or something like yes just wasn't intended as anything mean or bad or anything like that no but it's had this like connotation now so now right. it's kind of like a, an inside joke if you will yeah, the to timing Frey. the timing at which Bruce Bolton employed like actually passed on that message was <laughs> inopportune again to, <laughs> to say the least it was so funny totally changed the meaning of the message yeah you know? so I completely forgot that Walter Frey dies in this episode. Me too. I always think that that's at the beginning of season seven. Me, me too. So we see that handmaiden and I'm like, oh, I'm shit, like, oh it's, Arya. God, it's, it's Arya. I'm, she's back in Westeros. Yes. That, Dude. This, this is. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, she's back. I can't believe it. Yes. So, and she's eyeing up Jamie, man. She's trying yeah. to like lure him off to like make him make Jamie think she's going to like have sex with him or something and then kill him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was I had that in my notes about the looks that she was giving Jamie. I think it's she's like playing with him because she knows who he is, but he doesn't know who she right. is. She wants to get him alone, I think. So she's, you know, like she's trying to exactly, kill people because she wants to kill him. Yeah, probably. So, um, dude, bronze pissed. He's like, God damn it. Like, you don't even have to do anything. You just have to sit there like a rich slab of beef. Yeah. <laughs> Great quote. <laughs> yeah, because remember recently he was telling Pod that the way that women look at Jamie is just frankly irritating. You know, yeah, he that preferred he preferred Tyrion. He, he preferred Tyrion. <laughs> Classic. And Jamie's like, I don't want her. Like, You're welcome to have her. Bron, well, she doesn't want me, dude. She wants her golden fingers up your upper twat. <laughs> Classic line. <laughs> Uh, oh Brian's my God. always got to say something like off the chain, you know? And so Jamie's like, well, how about those girls over there? They're looking at you. He's like, they're fucking looking at you. They're man. looking at like, you, you cunt. You motherfucker. <laughs> uh, and Jamie, we, we know his type, that these right, are not right, his right. type. Not blonde enough. <laughs> Brian and I love Jamie's look. Him. Yeah, zing, aka like, not Lannister enough. Or. Maybe he was talking about Brienne. Maybe after they finished with that meeting in the tent, Brian was like, so oh, he was japing at him. Yeah, about so Brienne. Did, you, did you fuck Brienne? You know, we know you want to like pod. We and know I were you talking like about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he could have been um, tossing Jamie barbs about, about Brienne too. And like, uh, you know, he, we know that Jamie likes blonde girls basically. Yes. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So we continue. I like Jamie's line here. Well, ladies, have you met Sir Braun of the Blackwater, yeah. hero of the Battle of Blackwater Bay? Jamie jumps up to act as Braun's wingman here and hooks him up with the girls. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he calls him the hero of Blackwater Bay, of the Battle of, hero of the Battle of Blackwater Bay. That's such a cool, like, title, you know? He was the hero. He's the one that set it ablaze. Yeah, totally. With, with a beautiful arcing shot with that fire arrow. What a, what a great shot that was. Yeah, and that's why I think that crossed with the sword on his uh, on his coat of arms should be the fire arrow mm-hmm. and a, a pot stack of, of coins <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the black water of the Blackwater bay behind him oh and the, yeah. his words how much how much i'm oh i'm gonna make this like i can see it do it so cool with i just just looking at the house phrase logo and you can see like the 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 waves of the water behind the castle on their logo on their sigil so i think it would be cool for bronze to have black waves like that like the whole background of the black waves with a crossed sword and fire arrow i like it yeah and then the uh stack of gold coins be sick 
How much? (laughs) And Braun is getting irritated. He's like, man, well, maybe I'm not in the mood. Okay. And then he's like, what am I talking about? I'm always in the mood. Yeah, he's always in the mood. (laughs) Fuck it. So he gets up and scampers off with his ladies. Ladies of the night. Ladies of the the evening. Ladies of the evening. (laughs) And then Walder shows up, right? And he's so... I can't stand Walder Frey. I love this scene because Jamie just shuts him down. Right. He he's so despicable. He's like he's like ah, talking all this bullshit. He's like he's like can't go killing my son by law. I wouldn't be right. Give the family a bad name. And I'm like, are you fucking joking, dude? It's like, dude, you already have a bad name. Yeah. And Jamie looks at him. He's so disgusted here. Yeah. And he's sipping his wine and he's all flamboyant and. He's like, so the famous Blackfish was killed by foot soldiers? Like, what about that legendary warrior? Right. And Jamie's like, so how many fights have you been in, Walter Frey? Sir Patrick's spidey senses start to tingle because as he speculates that Blackfish wasn't killed by all those foot soldiers, the legendary warrior survived. I see you, Sir Patrick, out there. (laughs) I still need to send him some tinfoil. And, uh... (laughs) As this is happening, Arya keeps looking over at Jamie. Arya in disguise as this other now handmaiden. Now both her targets are in in her view. Yeah. Oh man, so intense. So, do we see Black Walder and Lothar anywhere in this scene? I don't know. Actually, I'm I, not sure. Because I totally forgot that he eats his kids. Right, like, I, that this was this episode, so I wasn't <laughs> really paying like attention to. Right. I didn't see them at all in the yeah. feast, so I think they've already been ground up. I wonder how she got them. I'd love to see that that scene. That could that be like a cool bonus scene or something, like just showing Arya like luring them into her trap and everything like that, and grinding them through a meat grinder. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, they didn't go through a meat grinder, man. That finger is still like pretty intact. She got he got chopped. Oh, pretty, pretty roughly. It's a rough chop. Yeah, yeah, totally a rough chop. That's brutal. So Walder is um, gloating here. Oh, yeah, he is. He's so dumb. I know. He goes, well, I'm a bit old for fighting. He goes, no, back in your day. (laughs) (laughs) And he he starts trying to play the, you know, game of words here because... (laughs) He knows he's not like a real fighter. And he goes, the purpose of fighting is defeating your enemies, isn't it? And Jamie's like, well, yeah. He goes, I've defeated mine. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) Jamie's like, okay, yeah, you got River Run, but you weren't like a great conqueror, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, he's making fun. He calls him the great conqueror. That's hilarious. Sarcasm. And Walter gets pissed here. He's like, go on, mock me, boy. You think I mind? The Tully's <laughs> mocked me for years. It's like you can tell that the Tully's have always pissed him off. He, oh, he hates the Tully's so much. Yeah, There's been so many, so, like, so many snubs between the two families. And like uh, the that wedding where Rob ended up bailing on him was just like the last straw, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the last straw for sure. Totally. And he, he throws another bar back at Jamie, right? He's like, you talk about war like you're like an expert on it. But I heard you got k- kidnapped by the young wolf. Yeah, the only battle I remember you fighting. <laughs> like, oh, damn. And that's where shit gets real right here. He's like, but it doesn't matter. Here we are now. 
two Kingslayers. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, Like, Walder's, shit. like, comparing himself to Jamie right. Lannister. Like, please. Yeah, Jamie's like, fuck. Like, if he ever needed, rede- like, motivation for a redemption arc, here it is. You know, like, he does not want to be compared to Walder Frey. <laughs> He's like, fuck that. No one wants to be compared to Walder Frey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So funny. So Walder's like, um, he's like, yeah, we know what it's like to have him grovel to our faces and snigger behind our backs talking shit. He's like, we don't he's care, like, don't do we? He's like kind of elbowing at him. He's like, yeah, me and you, we're the only ones that know what this is like. Yeah, yeah. He's like, fear is a marvelous thing. They won't fuck with us because they fear us. It's beautiful. And uh, and Jamie's like, <laughs> they don't fear you. Yeah, they they fear, fear the, the Lannisters. Yeah, we gave this castle to you, basically. Like we gave you Riverlands, and uh, like, what good are you guys if we have to keep uh, riding back up here to save you to give it back to you because you can't hold it? Like, why do we need you at all? <laughs> yeah, and Walder's like, oh. That's that hurts. That stings a bit. Yeah, he looks pretty like, ooh, he looks kind of like like taken aback there as Jamie gets up and just leaves him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, man. Walder Frey, he's so old in the in the books. He's like approaching 100, I think. Which is ancient and like super ancient. Westeros, this world. Yeah. yeah. And like he has all these generations of Freys living under him at the twins. Because Tywin the- is really old for like Westeros. Yeah, and he's like almost 70. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, a- Aemon is really super old too. He's like over 100. That's an- that was crazy. Yeah. And then we have Malisandra who's like yeah, centuries. centuries. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. So, then it it cuts back over from from the twins to the Red Keep in Kyburn's lab. And Cersei realizes that she fucked up big time. Oh, God. And she wants to see his body. Yeah. Much like much like Daenerys insisted upon looking uh, at the bodies of the dead children who had been crucified on the way to Meereen. You know, Cersei, totally different motivation, but Cersei just needs to see it. She needs to see what she's done. Yeah. It's a scary thought, Cersei, without her children. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, her only anchor to civilization or civilized behavior. (laughs) The only thing that makes her, yeah, that reins her in is... uh, That has a glimmer of a soul. Yeah, one redeemable trait. And now, like, yeah, that anchor has been eliminated and she's just adrift. (laughs) So fucked up. Well, her fuse has been lit. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. It's over now. I mean, it's like Tommen has to look like Oberyn right now. You know what I mean? Maybe worse. Like he nose dived. Yeah. I, I mean, ugh. I, I can't believe there was even a body to like pick up. I know. Right. I wonder how high the, the fall, like how high the, you know, the, the drop was. I imagine it's pretty far because they're pretty high up because they're eye level with the Sept of Baelor. Yeah. They're actually a little higher than it. They're on a hill, though. Oh, that's well. true. Well, maybe he, you know, rolled down the hill, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I don't even know. It's so fucked up. But Cersei looks like now she's broken, basically. And it's she's not like she, she's, she doesn't even cry or anything. She's just like broken, right? Yeah. She knew that it was eventually going to happen because she believed prophecy. in the prophecy. 
And what I think she can't come to grips with just yet, which is what's going to fuel her madness even further, is that it's her fault. This one is on her 100%. Totally. Joffrey was a dick. Okay, he got poisoned. Marcella was just, it was just an unlucky situation. She was just a pawn in someone else's game. This was her fault. Right. She directly fed the prophecy. She took away Tommen's Tommen's girl, you know. (laughs) Oh, man. So fucked up. For sure. So she is super, super bummed out for sure. And uh, as happy as she was a few minutes ago, rubbing her victory in Septa Yunella's face, that's exactly how sad she is here. Now she's being shamed all over again. Yeah, she's like, it's total reversal. Um like manic opposite, you know, basically like, like elated to devastated. Yeah. <laughs> Both poles of, uh, on the emotional chart in this episode. And Kyburn's trying to like, just keep it calm. Right. Super clinical again. And you know, what are your thoughts about concerning the funeral? There's no sept of Baylor. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Just how the sept is no longer an option. Like that's nuts. And here's Cersei. He should be with his grandfather, his brother, sister. Yeah, because they were all buried at the Sept. Mm-hmm. And think about that, like all the Targaryen burials there. They're all blown up. It's like all that history is gone. Yeah, it's crazy. Super nuts. And she's just she then she becomes like clinical and like emotionless almost here. Burn as she, him. Yeah, burn him and bury his ashes where the Sept once stood. Like almost the way that that um, Ramsey was just like, feed the meat to the dogs, you know, <laughs> similar type, know. type thing, just Detachment. flat, yeah, flat affect detached and yeah, emotionless. She's just like broken and blank now. Like it's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Oh, Cersei, yeah. Cersei, Cersei, Cersei. Yeah. So that's going to be, it's going to be really fun watching her spiral into madness this season. She is the mad queen. Yeah, I think one of the last things I saw in that Boston University thing um, where they created their own season eight, one of the last things that I saw them do before I was like, I'm going to stop watching this, you know, <laughs> just in case is Kyburn, the ne- the necromancer urges Cersei to try to parley with with the Night King, basically to yeah. <laughs> make an alliance with the Night King because um, who else does she have to turn to, right? Well, no one wants to be on her side. Yeah. Met, She's truly alone, even her brother. Yeah. Well, think about this. We have the uh, the story of the 13th Lord Commander who saw a, white, a, a pale woman from atop the wall and fell in love with this icy woman who people think was a white walker. Maybe we'll get oh. the reverse here where kind of like Daenerys is is telling Dario in this episode that she's going to like one way to build her her monarchy in um, with marriage yeah her power in westeros is by marriage maybe cersei will try and the night king will try to do the same thing <laughs> but the night king like doesn't speak yeah well not that we know of that's true don't in the books i think you said this a couple episodes ago they like click and clack yeah to they, each other. their voices sound like the cracking of ice Ooh, uh, that's pretty cool 
That's awesome. Yeah, pretty crazy. So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe the Cersei will try to team up with the Night King and it'll be like the like some weird ass the showdown. Thing. Another <laughs> union of ice and fire as Cersei is really like a, a Targaryen and it's the Night King and it's like the reversal of ice and fire. Well, and I always love that. I always relate the Lannister house to fire because their sigil is a lion and that, you know, in our world, the astrological sign is a Leo and it's a fire. It's a fire sign. Mm, right. So and I the, always, the gold and crimson colors are like colors of flames too. the sun. Yeah. So I just, I always relate to the Lannisters as being fire, like fire related. Right. They would definitely be more on the fire side of the spectrum for sure. <laughs> yeah. So damn, oh. that whole thing was crazy, huh? Yeah. Again, kind of like battle of the bastards. When I think of the season six finale, I always think of yeah, the sept of here. Baylor blowing up totally. and it's hard to remember. Like we get a lot of other really good stuff here. Tower of joy, for instance, tower of joy. We get Tyrion being named hand of the King. Oh my we God. We get Sam. He's at the Citadel. That's where we are next. Yeah. I mean, Oh my God. God, what the fuck? Danny goes home. She finally leaves Marine. Right. I mean, like this episode is so insane. Coming up on Game of Microphones. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty crazy. So, so like you said, we're at the Citadel next, right? And Sam gets there in time to see the White Ravens be released. Oh, snap. I, that's what that was. Yes. Those going are the all tower. the white ravens going out to all the houses because we get one up at Winterfell that a white raven ar- arrived from the Citadel. That yes. winter is here. Winter is here, motherfuckers. So Sam obviously knows what this means. It's winter's here. And I think Damn. that's he has like this look of, I mean, astonishment on his face because he's looking at the Citadel for the first time. But yeah, he sees the see White the Ravens tower. and like breathes in like, oh, my God, they're White I was Ravens. wondering what that what was going on up there. Uh, all right. Thanks for explaining that to me. I never knew that. Yeah, it's I it took me a while to make that connection, to be honest. It wasn't until much later in my watches that I. Just I remembered the scene with Sansa telling John that they received a white raven from nice. this and she made it a point to say from the citadel. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how yeah. Mm-hmm. They send out white ravens to notify the houses when winter's there. And man, what a beautiful looking city too, right? And I love that big fire at the top of the citadel. Like it's like a big lighthouse. I looked it up. It it's uh it's high tower. Oh. There's like a big flame at the top of it and stuff. The high tower of Old Town. It's the seat of House Hightower. That's like their crib, basically. Yes. That's why I didn't think it was the, like, I didn't pick up that it was the Ravens. You know what I mean? It's super cool with that fire up there. I think the birds were flying past it, not out of it. Oh, all right. I I thought they were flying um, out of it, but maybe, maybe they're just flying past it. Or maybe they, maybe they bring the Ravens up there to let them fly from there because it's so high. Maybe. Maybe like a good yeah. advantage to start <laughs> to start flying. I mean, my guess is that those are the white ravens. Yeah, no, I, you're you're right. I'm I'm sure you're right because they they show up this episode. They're from Old Town, from the Citadel. Like those, they're, they're definitely the white ravens. That's yeah, a really good catch. So the the shot that we get and Gilly walking with little Sam, mm-hmm. his little he has little bare feet. Yeah, 
And Gilly's looking quite a lady these days with her dress and her hair. Her hair looks very lovely. She's looking very nice. Mm -hmm. And Sam looks good. He's all groomed and his hair swooped off to the side. With his giant leather outfit that he's got. Yeah. Black Knight's watch gear looks cool. Quilted leather. Yeah, it's 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 cool looking for sure. Yeah. Um. So we get to the front desk of the Citadel and we get the guy with his spectacles. Oh, my God. Does that guy not look like an owl? Like <laughs> the wise old owl or, you know, or something like Um. And he looks up and he's like blinking. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Sam's like, hello. <laughs> that delivery of that line is so great. He's so bubbly and like ridiculous. Because he's so awkward. And the maester just kind of keeps reading. And then he kind of like looks up at Sam. Yeah. And it's like, like, what are you doing what here? What are you doing? Um, well, the Lord Commander sent you a letter. <laughs> here it is. Yeah. And the guy just like opens his hand, his hand. Doesn't even like move his arm. <laughs> what an asshole. So I, I, I took it as he's like the front desk guy. So he's like low on the totem pole. So but he uses like a, his small position to gain <laughs> advantage over people like Sam to like make himself feel important. Whatever power he has, he's going to like utilize and uh, it's fucked up. And I wonder if um, if that means anything as it relates to the maesters in general, because there's sort of like an idea that the maesters have like have this like hoity toity like holier than thou attitude of like we know everything and you guys like they look down upon everybody else and there's rumors that the maesters are like pulling strings behind the scenes and like you know they may have played a role in the end the deaths of the di- of the dinosaurs of the of the dragons and stuff like that oh wow to, like, okay control reality the way that. they see it and stuff yeah it's pretty interesting so well, that adds another layer. Yeah, it's like it could be like a microcosm of like the the a- attitude of the maesters versus the rest of the population as a whole. Like <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super awkward because Sam has to like bump into the desk because he's <laughs> so big, like to hand it over. Yeah. There's like three different stages of like stretching and then looking like, will you reach me part way and like no he's got to stretch further then he's like please help a little it's still no and he's like finally reaching like as far as he can and he finally like places it in his hand and the guy snatches it away <laughs> what a dick and so he opens the letter and sam's anxious he's like i'm i'm to be the new maester and he's yeah, all kind he's of so like excited. giddy about it this is yeah and the maester's like okay <laughs> Starts flipping through a book. Yeah, so we we discover that the Citadel has not been made aware that Gior Mormont is dead and Maester Eamon's dead. Right, yeah, that's awkward. This is irregular. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose life is irregular. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like smiling when he says it, like so I know, he's trying to be all philosophical. Yeah, it's so great. It's it's a really funny line and... um, the actor does a hilarious job here. And then it's it's great how the guy like stays blank and doesn't react. And his Sam's bubbliness, bubbliness sort of like awkwardly fades away over a few seconds. Like, you literally <laughs> see the bubbles popping. Yeah, it's like cringe, cringe mania. It's, it's great. So the awkwardness fades and the... The maester says, well, the archmaester needs to discuss these irregularities with you. We basically need to confirm that the story is correct, that mm-hmm. Jorah Mormont died and 
Maester Raymond's passed away. And, right. Make sure you're not some poser. <laughs> yeah. Some creeper, like trying to penetrate the Cynodel. Yeah. And so he goes, come on, like, follow me this way. Um, in the meantime, you can use the library. Yeah, and Sam, like, is like, oh, 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 oh my. Oh, you know? my. <laughs> and needs to change his pants before he continues because this is like Sam's ultimate dream is like having access to the Citadel library. Yes. Oh, my it's God. It's every reader's dream, I'm sure. Yeah. So Gilly starts to walk behind them and he turns and snaps at her no women and children and <laughs> sam's guy. like ah, ah, i'm sorry i'm gonna go because yeah. there's a big library back here bye and he's he, like, like so runs flustered off. like caught in between allegiances but he just can't hold back from those books it's like sorry babe you, you'll get it you understand you know gotta go <laughs> okay thanks bye i love you <laughs> hilarious and gilly gets ditched <laughs> and gilly's like what am i gonna do here in this giant hallway just sit here forever Oh my God, it's hilarious. So we go kind of through these dark, like library aisleways, but they're on a grand scale. And yeah, I love the chains that run from the top all the way down. And Sam kind of like runs his hand across them. Oh, there's a great shot of following his hand along the chains like that. Uh Yeah, I wrote that down too. I love it. It's really cool, those chains. I agree. They're going down the path. I think it's to keep the books from falling. Is that? It's to prevent them from being stolen. Long enough chains so that they can be read, but short enough so they can't be taken from the property. And Sam, like, adjusts a scroll that's kind of sticking off one of the shelves. Like, he's already being, like, <laughs> um, you know, meticulous in this library. That's you can so see funny. he wants to get his hands on it really bad. Everything. He's like, fuck Gilly. Sex is cool, but this is way better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh my goodness, we, we come out of this dark passage, passageway and the music, I love this music. It just opens into a chasm. And that, I don't know what to call that, like light fixture. I think it's the astrolabe. Do you know what it it is? It, It seems like it sends light, you know certain directions i was wondering if is it like i think it's like readers of the lost ark like it's supposed to send light all the way around the um the hall there there's rotating discs too refracting light around in different directions yeah um the first live experience i went to they had that hanging it came down from this you know that's cool when that music started playing it was really cool and it was shining light like all around the stadium it wasn't there in the last one, though, for some reason. It changed. It, it totally changed between the first and the second year. Equally as good. Um, strong points in both. So Sam, I mean, he's losing his mind. There are books for like days and days and days and days. Like, like I mentioned, it like it opens up into a chasm. It's like this great gaping monstrous cavity. It's almost like a pit. Yeah. yeah, it's like this huge, huge, it's like a, like more than a football field tall, I'd say. And just like this huge hall that's like, just there's like a circular atrium area that's just layers of countless passages and just book shelves, uh, aisles and aisles shelves. and shelves of books just everywhere. Stories. I mean, it goes, it looks like it goes down. It looks like it goes up. Like I mean, miles they're miles of paths, paths of books. Miles. Yeah. Like, 
and Sam gets all teary-eyed. He's like, I've found my happy place. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Totally. So we cut to Winterfell next with the white raven flying in the yes, northern wilderness I, towards Winterfell. I saw that thing flying and I was like, winter is here, motherfuckers. Yeah. And that's why I think it definitely is the white raven oh, yeah. said it all because totally we pan. This is the next the very next scene. Yep. Just as we saw him leave from there. So why don't you talk about this a little bit? Sure. So, yeah, we get those ravens flying away from the Citadel and we follow one up to Winterfell. And Davos is about to lose his shit. Uh, We cut into the dining hall and Jon Snow's hanging out with Melisandre. What is up with that? (laughs) That's so weird. I know. Like he's lurking, moping in the room alone, probably. And she probably found him because she's like obsessed with him and everything. That's what I imagine happened. How they got to be together in that room at that time. (laughs) And he's moping as usual. When we had feasts, a family would sit up here and I'd sit down there. <laughs> the other end of the room. Oh, such a whiny bastard. <laughs> it's hilarious. He's, he's experiencing PTSD. And she's so funny. She's like, you had a family. You had feasts. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, dude. she's like, like I she had was a, a slave. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm glad Jon Snow like realizes that that's the truth. You know, he sees the truth of it. He's like, ah, oh, you're right. You know, <laughs> I was luckier than most. Even in like the whole bastard realm. I mean, like imagine oh, being yeah. a lowborn bastard. Like at least he was the bastard of a great lord, like an honorable lord too. Yeah, totally. Or brought up as such. I mean, we know that that's not really who he is, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, being a being a bastard is is much better, you know, from from a certain perspective than being lowborn <laughs> or a lowborn bastard. Yeah. yeah. Well, lowborn people in general don't really have last names. Oh, so OK, so that's true. Like really bastards. Generally, they're like mostly all bastard, you know, or, you know, you know, what I mean, I guess out of wedlock, you're a bastard, but they don't you don't have a like the bastard last name unless you're from like a, a house. You know what I mean? An old house. Yeah. Or yeah. a house. So uh, Davos storms in and tosses the charred stag statuette over to Melisandre. And she catches it. Yeah, she does. And uh, even though she's super old, yeah, she's still got that hand-eye coordination. (laughs) The Lord of Light powers her eyeballs, too. And so... So Jon Snow, as usual, knows nothing. And he's like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Typical Jon Snow scene here. We get him moping and knowing nothing. (laughs) Classic. So Davos is like, tell him, tell him whose toy that was. And her face. And he's just doing everything he can right now to hold back from just ripping her to shreds to bloody red ribbons, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Her face says it all, too. Oh, she's devastated. And she's like the Princess Shireen, you know, and he's like... He freaks out. He's like, tell him what you did to her. Tell him what you did to her. Tell him! Tell him! Yells at her. Oh, I know. It's amazing. And she admits it. We burned her at the stake. His acting in this scene is amazing. Yeah, it's so intense, man. So intense. And he's just like, like like a wolf just pointed right at her, you know, head tilted forward just battle position he looks like a ram like ready to just run right into her head first he's like shaking yeah and melisandre's like 
we burned her at the stake and like admits it outright. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like she's just coming right out with it. Even through like, she's been dealing with the shame of, of this and it, it's been affecting her, you know, but she's, she's now she has to admit you know, it. She's admitting it. She's probably feeling some type of catharsis or that coming out in the open, you know, I imagine at least, but it's, to- it's been torturing her. And now at least she's going to deal with the repercussions of it. She's saying it out loud. It's becoming like real to her, I think. Yeah. And Davos is just like, why? Like, why would you do that? Like what in the She was a little fuck? girl. Yeah. And Melisandre, first she's like, you know, like the conditions were horrible. Winter was killing everybody, the horses, the army. It was the only way to survive, basically. And it's just so sad that she believed that. Like, imagine believing that you needed to sacrifice people to a, like to your God for like, to good, good, good fortune like that. It's just like, oh, it's a horrible idea. Um, how sad to be that deluded and what a bleak existence. Right. So Davos like is like, what the fuck? And and then she pulls the Nuremberg defense, you know, and she's like, I only did what my Lord commands of me. I only do what my Lord commands of me. Like the Nazis said, I love his trial, sentiment you know? here. He goes, if he commands you to burn children, your Lord is evil. Right. And evil. And uh, her look on her face at that moment, it's like she sees the truth, but she's also conflicted with other truths that even though her Lord did such an evil thing. She's seen the good that he does too. Right. But here's the difference though. The Lord actually does seem to have brought back John, right? Whereas Melisandre herself burned Shireen. So that was just her interpretation of what her Lord wanted her to do that led her to burn Shireen. It was her faulty interpretation of the Lord of Light's will that led to the, those burnings. You know what I mean? I Potentially. Like it. Yeah. Me- and she, she even said that she goes, I was wrong. I, yeah. I didn't lie, you know, or what did she say? Yeah. I didn't lie. I was wrong. Yeah. It's not, and that's like the important thing too. Like, and it's possible that the Lord of Light doesn't actually have any like horrible intentions or anything like that. It could be just total misinterpretation of what she needed to do, you know what I mean? Like, but she Definitely. admits it and she's trying to make amends and to follow the path, like a better path and serve her Lord appropriately. She knows she fucked up. She's like that weight that she felt when she returned back to Castle Black and she took off the necklace and we saw her old and weak and defeated and she just laid down in bed giving up. Like what she did to Shireen broke her as well. Um, and the fact that it was done in vain just made it even worse. And um, she's, she, you know, she's struggling with it basically. So uh, Melisandre was conflicted, like I said, as Davos said, your Lord is evil because she brings up like, well, John is is still he, like he's John is alive because the Lord of Light willed it. Like, what's up with that? Like, we, how can we reconcile these differences? Right. And Davos continues his rant that he brings up how good and kind Shireen was and how he loved her like she was his own. And it's it's true. Like they had such a special little relationship. And he's choking up and he has like tears welled in his eyes. It's so amazing. Yeah. The spittle flying out of his mouth and and he's like, You killed her. And Melisandre is like, so did her father and her mother. And she totally let's slip again here like the, the faulty way of thinking she's she's like her blood even her own blood knew it was the only way 
and Davos is like the only way for they all what? died like, anyways. They all died, and maybe you know the they say the Lord works in mysterious ways. Maybe the Lord of Light works in mysterious ways too. Like for all we know, it was the the burning of Shireen that allowed John's life to be brought back to him. Yeah, only death can pay for life. Yeah, I mean you know who who knows. Maybe it was the fact that Melisandre went through with that sacrifice and was feeling the pain and all the grief that she was gifted with the the gift by the Lord of Light to do this here as payment for her suffering. I don't know. You know, like who knows? Some twisted something or other. <laughs> but um, Davos is like, you told Stannis, you told everyone Stannis was the one. You had had him believing it. Everybody fooled. Like you played us all. You were, You lied. And you ruined everything, basically. And that's when she's like, no, I didn't lie. I was wrong. And we didn't, Davos brings up that we just have to wonder how many people died because Melisandre was wrong. Like, the cost is catastrophic in this case. Yeah, a lot of people died. Yeah. You have to be so careful with prophecy and reading the flames and, you know, this whole thing. Like, the way she interpreted it, just like everything, she fucked it all up, basically. <laughs> and definitely, John is like... Just stunned watching her admit admit all this. He's dumbfounded, like listening to this. Yeah, and Davos is just like, John, give me permission to execute her for murder. She admits to it, you know. And, and John gives her a chance to speak. Like, do you have anything to say for yourself? You know, and she doesn't. She's like, she's just like, you know, I'm I'm ready to die. I've been ready for a long time, but you've seen what's going on, and you know that. I can help you. Yeah, I'm going to be necessary. And um, I'm really surprised here. There must be a part of him that believes that because he holds back. And instead of ordering Davos to slay her, he lets her go and tells her to ride south. Maybe he feels some sort of debt to her for his life. Or maybe she has some sort of Lord Ward, like uh, I mentioned, <laughs> like the uh, the ward over Jon Snow and over the Hound f- by the Lord of Light, guiding their the arrows past them and protect protecting them from death. Maybe maybe Melisandre has a similar type thing where he's in the Lord of Light influences Jon to spare her. <laughs> you know who knows? Maybe because her purpose hasn't been fulfilled yet. Right. So either way. John decides to spare her and I think we're going to see her die in season eight. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it's yeah, we're, we we have to. Right. Totally. Well, because she says to Varys in season seven, I'm going to I meant we to both die. We're supposed to die. Here. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're both supposed to die here in Westeros. It's crazy. So John's like ride south. Like if you ever come back, you're fucked. Basically, right. <laughs> will hang you as a as a murderer and she puts the burnt stag on the table and you know she starts to walk away and davos steps in her way and he's like really intent on execution you know as he brings up brings it up again and uses the same word like, if you myself. ever come back this way i'll execute you myself yeah and she just gives him this look and just walks right past him yeah she doesn't look like averse to that at all she's like i would understand you know, basically yeah i don't blame you dude yeah and so she walks off and then rides away and like jorah in exile <laughs> super intense in the music oh the red woman yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah it's just pretty interesting you know john let her live she her her part is not done uh in 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 this game yet so we're gonna see what she does coming up next season it should be interesting She's definitely going to play a role. 
Yes. So then we cut to the Winterfell outer wall. Yeah. John and Sansa. John and John's walking, watching Malisandra ride south. Yep. And Sansa comes up and, oh my God, I love, I love the Stark outfits right now. Yeah, this, they're so good. Oh, they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And John, he says to her, I'm having the Lord's chamber prepared for you. And Huge she's like. Huge statement. My mom and dad's room. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you should take it. And again, he's like, I'm not a stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, you are to me. But that's like mm. a huge gesture on John's part, you know, like you, you're yeah. the, the lady of the castle, Sansa. You're the lady of Winterfell. Yeah. You're Sansa Stark. Symbolic of the dynamic he's willing to establish in the new House Stark that she's the leader. Yeah. That he sees that as her rightful place and he's like taking a secondary role. You know, so it's interesting as he's elected to um, king in the north, basically operating out of Winterfell. He's like, she's the lady of the castle, but he's the king of the country. You know, like, know. What, how does that dynamic work? I don't know. I was thinking that too. Like, it's she's awkward. the lady of Winterfell. I mean, I guess they're just kind of doing it together. Sort of. Yeah. So yeah, she, he tells her like, you're the lady of Winterfell. You deserve it. We're only here because you brought the Knights of the Vale and they saved us. Basically they came because of you. And they only came here for you. Um, So I'm wondering like, why, why isn't John mad that she didn't give him the heads up that soldiers were on the way, you know, countless lives could have been saved. I don't know. I have this in my notes too. I guess maybe he gets where she's coming from. I guess. And I was thinking also like if Ramsey, if, if she had told John and they had waited and the Knights of the Vale showed up and they combined their army to ride on Winterfell, if Ramsey had seen the combined forces of like the force of their combined host, he may not have followed his original battle plan. He may not have exposed his army in the field and um, opened himself up to be surrounded by the Knights of the Vale. He may have been more cautious and stayed within the walls and yeah, that could have resulted in a different outcome. Yeah. The need for a siege and they didn't have, they don't have siege engines or any like anything ready for, right. Anything like that for, for siege warfare ready like that. So it probably would have been, would have been a big problem. Um, so a lot of people died, but it may have been the only way to crack open Winterfell sadly. Because Ramsey was so confident that he was going to win. Yeah. I guess lured him out. Yeah. Interestingly. I like what he says here, though, or she actually says it because he asks her, you know, do you trust Littlefinger? And she's like, only a fool would trust Littlefinger. Yeah. I'm like, damn straight. That's a little reassuring that that she has that opinion of Littlefinger, right? Yes. Definitely. And she does admit she's like, I should have told you about him, about the Knights of the Vale. I'm really sorry. Yeah. That's also reassuring that she sees that it was like fucked up and she like apologizes outright for it. I was really glad to hear that. And I like what he says here too, though. He goes, we do need to trust each other. We can't fight a war amongst ourselves. Like if we're going to do this, we have to be a team. We have to trust each other. Right. And this sort of reminded me of Jamie and Cersei vowing to band together after Tywin's death, that they'll have forces coming from all sides, trying to take their power and tear them apart. And, they need to like work together as a team and similar type of sentiment here with John and Sansa brother and sister, as least they think teaming up to work as a, as a house and to as a unit. face their enemies together. 
So interesting little parallel there. As we know, though, they're actually cousins. So it's funny. And John gives her a kiss on the forehead, which is a nice sentiment. And the stark music is playing in the yes. background. And my the hairs on my arms are standing up because I just love it so much. Yep. And, and, Ra- and Sansa had just gotten the raven. So John starts to walk away and she beckons John. him. She calls out to him John and he turns back to face her and I love this moment between the two of them right it's so good Mm. she's like a raven came from the citadel a white raven winter is here and And he laughs and looks up (laughs) they both like smile and laugh together and looks up at the sky and well father father always promised promised. yes didn't he and it's just such a beautiful moment between the two of them and he turns and walks away and Sansa looks out over the battlements smiling Gen- a genuine smile you know like yeah good, remembering like, yeah good brother and sister moment um, and like family is coming to the forefront with Sansa here and that does come into question as we move forward but I have an interesting terp- interesting interpretation of the seeds of doubt that Littlefinger plants in her um upon rewatching, putting um, it into context with this scene and his, um, how she's seeming to open up to John and get on the same team with him. So that'll be fun to discuss. Nice. So next we end up in Sunspear in Dorne. <laughs> Barbara, is that your name? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lady Elena is not putting up with any bullshit. She doesn't want to hear anything from these dumb little Dornish girls. And I thought that was funny too, because so the fans, like a lot of Game of Thrones fans were disappointed with season five with the way that the, the sand snakes were portrayed. And uh, so I feel like Olena here, it's a little bit of um, meta commentary on the part of like, she, like Olena, Olena's playing the, Shuts the, them down, yeah, like, the fans eat. like, shut up sand snakes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're disappointed with you. So that was kind of funny. But before she gets into the insults, her first line here is really interesting. She's talking about, she, she mentions the last time that a Tyrell came to Dorne, he was assassinated a hundred red scorpions. Was it? And she's referring to an interesting story during the time period of Daron the first. Oh. Yeah, the son of Aegon III, who ended up ruling the Seven Kingdoms after the conclusion of the Dance of Dragons. One of the nicknames for Aegon III was the Dragonbane, because he was king when the last of the dragons died. He actually witnessed his own mother being eaten alive by Sunfire, Rhaenyra Targaryen, at the end of the Dance of Dragons. So his son, Daron I, the young dragon, or boy king, temporarily conquered Dorne. After spending some time consolidating his rule in Dorne himself, he left Lord Lionel Tyrell in charge of Dorne as he went back to King's Landing. And we learn that he was murdered when he pulled down a sash by his bed to summon his consort, his Lady of the Evening. And instead of triggering the the, the bell to summon the consort, it pulled down a, a sash that dropped down a hundred red scorpions onto his bed. Oh, damn. Which stung him, the operative of, of King Daron I. And this death ignited a revolt that ended up leading to King Daron's death and the end of the Iron Throne's occupation of Dorne. The Ugh. first Dornish War, or the, the conquest of Dorne. Crazy. Yeah, so there's a quote by Prince Oberyn Martell 
as he's telling somebody of this uh, this event, he says, Daron I succeeded at great cost and reigned in Dorne for a few glorious months. One night, his steward pulled down a sash by his bed to summon his consorts. Instead, the canopy split open and a hundred red scorpions fell on him. He was a Tyrell. You would think he was used to getting stung. Damn, that's intense. So I thought that was a great little book reference there. Hundred red scorpions, quite the story. So uh, Ilaria is trying to comfort Olena, telling her like, hey, we're cool. Um, you don't have to worry about us. And Olena's like, you guys uh, you murdered killed your, your prince. own prince. <laughs> Both princes, you know, and his son. Uh, and solid logic, Olena. These bitches are cray, basically. <laughs> cray, cray. So this is when Olena smacks down these hoes verbally, each one of them. She's like, let's let the grown women speak, right? I know. Olena is amazeballs. She's so funny. I love her. Yeah. And Ilaria is basically talking about how they need to be allies. And Olena goes through a monologue about how Cersei stole the future from her, which is just a heartbreaking concept. She killed her son and her grandson and her granddaughter. And Olena is like, what she wants now is revenge, right? Because Ilaria had mentioned survival and Ilaria is like, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. Survival isn't what I offer. I offer your heart's desire. And much like the Ty- Tyrell steward ringing, you know, pulling the sash to ring a bell to summon the consort, she rings a bell. Also like Tyrion a few episodes ago when yes. he bring, rings the bell to bring the whores in, right? And Q Varys. Yes. And this is so good. Elena's like, uh, she's like, and what is my heart's desire? And this moment is so epic. Ilaria is like, vengeance, justice. And we see Varys's silhouette walking down the hallway. And Olena turns to face this figure who walks out into the outdoor area here. And it's the spider it's in the, the garden. the spider in the garden. And I'm like, yes. And he goes, fire and blood. Answering, answering what also is Olena's heart's desire. And so when, when he says fire and blood, the words of House Targaryen, I'm sure Olena knew exactly what he meant because she has to have heard of the Dragon Queen across oh, the sea. She, she knows all about that. So Varys shows up. She knows that he's missing and wanted in the, you know, she knows he doesn't have anything to do with Joffrey's murder. Um, but she knows that he probably participated in let, setting the imp free. So when she sees him, here's fire and blood. She knows exactly what's on the table here. Daenerys Targaryen is heading west. We're going to back Danny. Yes. Yep. So it's really cool. Mm, um, another another alliance with a rest, Westerosi house, like you were mentioning last week. We had our first, our, Danny's first alliance with House Greyjoy. And now we have two. We have Dorne and yeah. the Tyrells. Yep. And now we have Greyjoy, Tyrell. Um, I guess it wouldn't technically be Martell because the, the male Martells are dead, right? Um, it's the Sands. So yeah, it's it's Dorne with this with the Sand Snakes and Ilaria Sand at the head of them. So that's interesting. So mm, yeah. Love it. Another good good transition. Speaking of fire and blood, we head over to Marine and Dario is about to get the boot. He's yep. And it's not you, it's me, Dario. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was interesting because remember when he was watching Danny emerge from the flames at the Dosh Kaleen in her second miracle. Um I was looking at his facial expression and I remember saying that 
I felt like it was, he, he was having a realization in that moment, seeing her magnificent, awe-inspiring power and capabilities. He was having sort of a realization that he himself is insignificant compared to Danny. And I felt that that realization was apparent at later moments when he was with Jorah and Danny, that he, he understood Jorah's, Jorah's feeling that he would never be like truly like he could never be with Danny, like Jorah, you know, he, like, he wants to be with Danny, but he, Danny, but he never will be. And I felt like, um, Dario was sort of feeling this himself. Like he's realizing that he's so much less than her and that in time she's, she's probably going to move on. Yeah. And on to find someone more. And I think that that moment where he was looking at her coming out of the fire foreshadowed this moment of his being discarded by her um, as she moves on and forward. I can see that for sure. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So I felt like, yeah, I just, I just really felt like in that moment when he saw her coming out of the fire, like he knew that he could never really have her, that he, she was a greater power than him, you know? So I love Danny's outfit here. She's okay. I've talked about her braids before. She's added more braids to her hair. Nice. And it's right after her victory over the Masters. So she's considering that a victory and she's added more braids. Kick ass. Fuck yeah. It's, it's not as tight as season seven. Um, it's still a little bit loose. Like she still has more hair down, but it's like she has the four braids, but now it's like wrapped in this bun type thing. It's just getting more and more kind of extravagant and tight Intricate. to her head. Love it. And she's wearing this exceptional navy blue dress. Ooh. It it just she I mean Amelia Clark, you I know you love her, but she's exquisite. And this color on her with that silver wig, she looks unbelievable. Yeah. I just love it. I love that color on her and it's so striking. One side, she has kind of like this cape. And on the other side, her arm is bare. It's a really crazy cool dress. I love it so much. Totally. And it's almost like a pantsuit. Because when we see her with Tyrion, there's a big like slit up the front. And she's wearing like boots with it. So it's like really strong looking. It's not very flowy. I love her. I love her outfits. They're amazing. Her wardrobe is amazing on the show. Beautiful. So Dario is... He starts off very happy here. He's sipping his glass of wine. He's like, I saw them painting the sails of your ships. They're almost ready. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, um, and go. He's, We're on the way. Woo woo. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm curious to see how the Dothraki do on, on the water. Interesting question. Yeah. Over the poison water. How are they going to do? Traveling yeah. Over there. So this is, she drops the bomb. Well, you're bomb. not coming with us. You're not going to see it. Oof. He's like, oh, a new strategy? Tell me more. Where are the second sons going? Yeah, we're going to attack from the west. Casterly Rock? Good idea. You know? <laughs> yeah, the He's Lannisters like, won't have anywhere to go. It. Yeah. And she's like, you're not going to Westeros, dude. You're, you're staying here with the second sons. And now it's his turn to look dumbfounded. Yeah, he's... I love this, though, because she's like, there's finally peace in Marine, and we need you to stay, stay back to make sure that that stays. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, like you could leave some unsullied behind perhaps. Yeah, it's like, fuck Marine, <laughs> fuck the people. I don't care about them. I care about you. Do you think we're going to see the second sons in season eight? 
I don't know. I uh, I want to see Dario again, but I feel like this may be the last we ever see of Dario. I feel that way too because I feel like it would muddy her story, and there's not that much time left to clean it up. Right, things are getting streamlined. Yeah. So as much as I would love to see that reunion, especially with John in the picture now, I don't think we're going to get it. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. There's too many things to tie up and we only have, what, six episodes? Yeah, yeah. So, I, oh, yeah. Oh, man. So I, I think this is truly farewell to Dario. And I think the mm. writers chose that word meticulously. Yeah, I agree. So Danny's like, listen... You promised me your sword is mine. Your life is mine. This is my command. You're staying here. And she drops even the, the bigger bomb that she plans to make alliances. And the best way to do that is with marriage. And Dario He's like, is who like, who will we be marrying this yeah. time? <laughs> well, before that, like he, ref- he reflexively like sits down and I'm like, yeah, that's right. You probably want to sit down for this one, buddy. <laughs> you know, like brutal. Yeah, and he's like, who are you going to marry this time? She's like, I don't know. Maybe no one. And and Jock and Hagar is like, who, me? Me? (laughs) Maybe Arya? She's going to marry Arya? Ooh. Never know. Foreshadowed by the Yara hit on? Maybe. Oh, my God. And Yara has all the same letters. This has got a wrench thrown into it, if that happens. And, oh, man, it's so funny. Dario, his response. He's like, you're going to lure all the noble houses to the table. What are you? Are you a queen or are you fish bait? And <laughs> that, that was like, a pretty oh funny Oh, my line. God. <laughs> Tell it how it is, Dario. Yeah, he's, he's getting a little pissed, right? And Dan, Danny's like, listen, I just can't do it. Like, I can't bring a lover. I like what Dario says here, though. He goes, a king wouldn't even have bad an eye at this. Right, like, and it's true. So she's like, so you want to be my mistress? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. He goes, and- I'm not proud. I seriously don't care. Who sits right, next right, right. to you in the throne room? I just want to be in your bed. Right. And got to give him credit for like being willing to take that, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's so funny, man. I got a healthy respect for Dario. I Me will, too. I will say. He goes, I love you and I make <laughs> you happy. He goes over to him and kneels in front of her. Yeah. And I make you happy. You know, I do. I love how he makes her kind of admit that to herself. Yeah, definitely. Bring me with you. Let me fight for you. Oh, it's, it's a good point because he's such a great fighter. He'd be such an asset. I know. He could be like her king's guard, her dirty yeah. king's guard. Dirty king's guard. Her dirty secret. It's hilarious. Not, not so secret secret. Sort of paralleling Queen Cersei with her dirty king's guard, Jamie. Although he's not a king's guard anymore. So yeah, it's she true. was queen. And I love the was... way she goes to touch his face because she does care for him. Yeah, you know? she and does. It's It's sad. She goes, I just can't. Yeah, I can't. And it reminded me of Tyrion had said this about Jorah. He said, when you go west to take Westeros, he can't be your side when you do it. Remember talking about Jorah? So yeah. in- interestingly here, the tide has turned and now it's it's Dario that she says can't be at her side when she does it. She needs to be unburdened of, you know, like basically bachelor men. Yeah. And, and Dario gets up and he's like, the dwarf told you to do this. And he did, as we find out, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny. And and uh, Danny's like, no one tells me to do anything. He's 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 he figured it out. He's like, clever, clever fellow. Can't argue with this logic, you know. I know. And, <laughs> and uh, he is. It, it's interesting because Dar- uh, Ty- Tyrion has convinced her that 
she needed to set Dario aside so that she could go to Westeros and form alliances with marriage, right? So what I'm thinking is Tyrion wants, wants to, marry be, her? to marry her. Yeah, he, he's House Lannister. You know, that's a big, big alliance to have right there. Well, I, I get this. There's some stuff when we get to him being named Hand of the King. Yeah, yeah, we'll that, talk more about or it Hand there. of the Queen that I um, picked up on. Plus, he's creeping when John goes into her room on the boat, exactly. too. And it's looking very distressed. Yeah, so we'll put that into context when we get there, I guess. Um, That's fine. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy, right? Like, it's pretty pretty good move. Tyrion's making a smooth move here. And <laughs> and Danny's like, don't get angry. You I'm know? not angry. Like, like, I'm ah. full of self-pity. Yeah. Who comes after the dragon queen? <laughs> yeah, that's like, who follows Jimi Hendrix? Nobody wants to get on stage after Jimi Hendrix. Like, fuck. She's like you know? a great number of women, yeah. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was funny because she means like, you're going to bang tons of women, literally. Yeah. <laughs> she literally means like, it's going to be a great number of them. <laughs> yeah. Like so, you're, you're just going to go around Marine and have a good time. Yeah. That was just pretty what funny. You do. And then she goes, someone has to guard the Bay of Dragons. Yes. The Bay like, of Dragons. Yes, the Bay of Dragons. Yes. We can't call it Slaver's Bay anymore. Can we? Good call. Epic. No when Danny arrived, it was Slaver's Bay. When she left, it was the Bay of Dragons. Uh, love it. And Dario's like, you're going to get that throne. I'm sure of it. I pity the lords of Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I, I hope the throne brings you happiness. Like, I hope all this, you know, you want this thing so bad. I'm ho- I hope that it actually works for you and that it gives you the happiness you want because you were happy with me here and I gave it to you, you know, so you're, you're, it's a gamble, you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it pays off because you're, you're giving up on it here, you know? Farewell, Dario Naharis. Yeah, and when he said, I pity the lords of Westeros, they have no idea what's coming for them. I thought that was funny because he, he like, even the, her allies like Dario, he's, she's leaving him heartbroken and destroyed, you know? So, yeah. It's like uh, her enemies, oh my God, like, wow, she'll really destroy them. I'm like, agreed. <sighs> they have no idea what's coming for them. And uh, she says, farewell. Dario Naharis. Farewell. And he cordially nods and proceeds to leave. Peace out. Yeah. And that may be the last we ever see of Dario. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then on to another amazing scene. Yes. Tyrion. He's sitting off to the side with his flagon of wine. (laughs) How did he take it? No tears. Uh, So it sounds like it was Tyrion's idea, huh? Yeah. I think he may be lining himself up for a marriage with Danny. I do too. Totally. Yeah. He's Jorah's out of the way. Dario's out of the way. Yeah. Lannister is a powerful house for yep. Danny to ally with. I totally just realized that this would parallel the relationship between Tywin, who is the hand of the Mad King as well. Tywin wanted to marry his daughter, Cersei, to Rhaegar, the son of the Mad King. And she was spurned when. Rhaegar married Elia, and this whole situation drove a wedge between the long-term friends, Ares, Targaryen, and Tywin Lannister. And like you mentioned recently, Rachel, when push came to shove and the Red Keep was being sacked during Robert's Rebellion, Tywin's army was right outside the the door, ready to kill Ares. So hopefully that whole thing doesn't foreshadow any deterioration of the relationship between Danny and Tyrion 
let's say Danny marries John or something and sort of spurns Tyrion, he could have a falling out with her and betray her somehow to his family, the rest of his family, to Cersei and Jaime. Obviously, I hope that doesn't happen. That would suck. But, you know, parallels, foreshadowing, all this stuff. So, pretty interesting. Back to what we were saying. Tyrion is talking with Danny about giving Dario the boot. And he's like, I know it was hard for you. Um, but that's this kind of self-sacrifices that makes for a good ruler. If, if it's any consolation. And, it's uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose not. I'm terrible at consoling. Um, but it's true. Like putting your, your own needs secondary, secondarily to your people's needs is a, that is a good trait of a ruler. You got to take care of your people, you know? Yeah. And Danny comes and sits down next to him and Tyrion's trying to get her a little excited. He's like, well, this is, and it's more, more meta, meta commentary. You know, he's like, how about the fact that this is actually happening, that we're, we're getting out of Marine. We're doing it. We're right? getting out of Marine after a hundred seasons. And that's for everybody. Yeah. Like you, like the Miranese <laughs> knot is finally untied. We're getting back to Westeros. Pod figured out the riddle. Yes. The gate is open. The gate is open. So yeah, that's pretty exciting. Heading back to Westeros. Mm. Damn. He's like, you got your armies. You're in the great game now. Yes, the great game. And the great game is terrifying. Yes. The only people who aren't afraid of it are madmen like your father. She says, you know what frightens me? And this is kind of unnerving. She says she bid farewell to a man who loves her, a man that she thought she really cared for herself. And she felt nothing. Just impatient to get on with the thing, uh, you know, and I horrible, really unnerving is like sociopath. <laughs> but we know she's not a sociopath because she feels no, deep empathy. She has a heart for sure. It's just a moment of, yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy. An intense moment for sure. And this is, this is the, this yes, is the line. This is it. He wasn't the first to love you and he won't be the last. And that, the way he looks at her. Yeah. I was like, oh, damn. And as Danny gets up and walks away, his gaze lingers to where she was and he slightly winces. And we realize he's fallen in love with her. And he, yeah. he's worried that he'll be the next Dario. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, I mean, we, we know she's kind of fallen in love with John, but I feel like Tyrion would have had a shot otherwise, you know? Yeah, maybe. And she's like, well, you have completely failed to console me. <laughs> I love their relationship. It's so funny, man. Yeah, she she definitely trusts him. And he's like, well, for what it's worth, I've been a cynic for as long as I can remember. Everyone's always asking me to believe in things. Family, gods, kings, myself. It was often tempting until I saw where belief got people. Right. Tyrion is a, he's a total skeptic. He's a reader. He doesn't, he's not religious. He doesn't believe in prophecies or fictions or the gods or anything like that. He's a man of science and reason. And so, yeah, this is a pretty big moment for him to admit this, right? I liked what he says next to, he's like, I believe in you. It's embarrassing, really. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> I don't actually own a sword, though, so I can't really swear it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully for him, Danny tells him it's just his, his counsel that she needs, you know? <laughs> I mean, although She's he like, is good. a pretty, pretty good warrior for, you know, considering his stature. It's yours now and always. Yeah. That's like blood rider shit, you know? Yep. She goes, well, on that note, 
I had something made for you. Yes. She's not sure if she had it made perfectly right, which is cute. And she pulls it out of her bra. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, she pulls it out of like the top of her dress. That's so funny. I didn't didn't notice that. It's the best place to carry shit. Close to your heart. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this moment is so good. I know. I get like goosebumps. Yeah. He sees it and gets all choked up. And it's like, this is his moment. This is his second time being made hand of the king, but this time he's earned it himself instead yeah, of wasn't having just it given it to, him, to him, him by his father. And I mean, he, he was given to him and he did a great job with a terrible king. And it's just amazing to, to hopefully that he has this opportunity to do it again with a great ruler and have a really positive impact on the world. Like, uh, like T- Danny had said last week when she was with the Greyjoys and with Tyrion, she's like, our fathers were all terrible, evil people. They left the world a worse place than they, than they, when was, than they arrived. Right. We're not going to do that. We're going to leave the world a better place. And, uh, that's something that Tyrion is totally down with, you know, and completely having a leader like that with a mind like Tyrion at our side is a, is a great boon to the possibilities of what they can do. So it's, it's a huge moment for Tyrion and it's exciting to imagine. He's so proud. I love that he's standing on the step. And so they're like at more like eye level, mm-hmm. you know, so she goes, Tyrion Lannister, I name you hand of the queen. Oh my God. And he like kind of sucks in a breath and gets teary eyed and, you know, looks down and kneels. And I love the shot that we get um, of their profiles. He's on the step kneeling and they're facing each other in her amazing dress. And I love what he's wearing too. It's uh, so beautiful. So good. And yeah, he's kneeling and I'm just like, Oh my God. And I loved how he, it made him so emotional. Like he loves her and she trusts him and he's being given this great honor to someone who he so greatly admires. I mean, he's always imagined and dreamt of dragons and just the wonder and majesty of these amazing magical creatures. And she is the the mother of dragons, you know, and he's her right hand man now. And it's just like all he could have ever asked for or dreamed for aside from her love (laughs) with the package, you know? So he's just super excited for this and it's a massive, massive moment for him. And uh, something well-deserved and an appropriate position, I would say. Completely. Yeah, totally. Anything else you want to add about that epic, great scene? It's just epic. It gives me goosebumps every time. Yeah, it's so good. One of the the, the happier moments in a series full of horror and (laughs) pain, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hope that even if he may have himself like in mind for her suitor, that he doesn't like betray her in any way. Yeah. I, yeah, same here. I don't think he will. I hope not. Yeah. I don't you think never he know though. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, Cersei could have like worked him somehow, you know? Yeah. All right. So on to the, the twins. Oh my God. Oh my God is right. Huh? Walder Frey is chilling and Arya is incognito as this this handmaiden girl this helper <laughs> slave girl kind of lady you're not one of mine are you it's like ew yeah because he's having like sexual thoughts about her <laughs> no my lord <laughs> didn't think so too pretty you're too pretty Whack. ew spanks her on the butt oh man <sighs> 
He loves doing that, right? Where are my damn moron sons? Black Walter and Lothar promised me to be here by midday. And I'm like, you don't want to know, Walter. You don't even want to know where they are. Oh, they're here, my lord. Yeah. Like, I don't see them. <laughs> yeah, classic uh, tasteless Walter Frey line coming up here. Well, what are they doing? They're just too busy trimming their, their cunt hairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He's so gross. No, they're right here, my lord. They're already here. And Walder's like looking around the hall. Here, my lord. <laughs> he peels back the top of that pie. And we see that fingernail. <sighs> so gross. They weren't easy to carve, especially Black Walder. And he's like, like freaking oh out. He's like gagging now. Yeah, he's gagging and he looks right at her. She rips her face off. Revealing. My name is Arya Stark. I yes. want you to know that. The last thing you're going to ever see is a Stark smiling down at you while you die. Yes. <laughs> Eerie parallel to Cersei, huh? Absolutely. With Septa Yunella. I told yeah. you the last thing you would see before you die would be my face. In this uh, very episode, she brings it up. and We're getting this comparison with, with Arya telling Walder Frey like the same shit. Yeah. I mean, it's so deserving in this case, too, like where... Her whole family is dead because of Walder Frey. You know, her mother, her brother, her brother's direwolf, her brother's wife, her brother's unborn son or child. I know. So many Stark troops slaughtered outside the twins. Thousands of soldiers just massacred as, as they were laying drunken after gorging themselves on a wedding feast. Like, oh my God. Just such a mess. She, she brandishes her knife. She pulls it out. Yeah, Walder and he like gets up to struggles. run. Yeah, he gets she grabs him and just slits his fucking throat. Yeah, Ugh. and this is that moment that I mentioned that that mirrors or parallels Cat, Catelyn Stark's death, which was mentioned earlier. Um, she pulls his head back, holds him by the hair, and just slits his throat, just like Catelyn gets her throat slit. Right. Uh. And the way it opens and closes while he's gasping for air is so gross. Oh, oh my God. I, epic. It's, oof, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. So good. Yeah, special effects in this show are amazing. Yeah, it's so realistic looking. Oh, and sadly, this is the second to last we see of Walder Frey. Just one more time. <laughs> That's what we see at the it, at the start of season seven. I forgot. It's Arya posing as Walter Frey. Yes, I oh, think that's what throws man. you off is because I always feel like he dies in season seven. Yeah, me too. It's just Arya posing as him. And that's, yeah, it's not really him. That's amazing. Well, it is him, but it's not really him. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, this is so good. This is such like a fan favorite moment, and it, it it's the. It's great. Yeah. And you know what's it, it is disconcerting though, because we have Arya who has had a very dark story arc. Yeah. And it's kind of disturbing to see what we had this like young, sweet girl with a fiery personality nonetheless. Right. But turned she's into turned into cold this cold blooded blood. killer. Yeah, cold blooded killer. Totally. Yeah, it's really disturbing, like you said. I mean, she's like smiling about it. Yeah. And of course, no uh, one's going to like cry about losing like Walder Frey, but you have to be a little bit concerned mm -hmm. like it, Arya's like her path yeah, <laughs> of very, being, becoming an assassin. It's sad. She's turned into an antihero, you know, 
which you don't, you know, it's, they're not an entirely honorable <laughs> character, you could say. Yeah. Um, it's almost like boondock saints kind of thing. It's like she's going around killing people that deserve it, but it's still killing people. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yep. So, oh man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucked up. So it's like there's elements of that in Watchmen too, mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier. So the, uh, I thought it was interesting. We get in the King in the North speech later. Wyman Manderley, I think, says, Jon Snow avenged the Red Wedding, you know, and then says he's the he's the white wolf king in the north. Like, you have no idea. Arya Stark just avenged the Red Wedding. Yeah, I was just say Arya does, too. They both get to to avenge a piece of it. You know, it's so good. Yes. And oh, they're man. so close, Arya and Jon. So, yep. I mean, they, they all get a piece of it. Sansa participated in getting revenge for the Red Wedding, too, with her participation of the downfall the, of the Boltons and yeah, Ramsay. Yeah, the Knights of the Vale. Yeah, exactly. So, they all, and, and her, um, she also planted the seed. Sansa planted the seed for, for Ramsay to kill Roos. Yep. By confirming to him that his bastardy may be, uh, his former bastardy may in jeopardy. Yeah, may jeopardize his future standing as the uh, first in succession for House Bolton's lordship. So, uh, yeah, it's great. They all get a little piece of revenge against some element of the per- perpetrators of the Red Wedding. Arya in fantastic fashion. Mm-hmm. Love it. Just, oh, it's so It's beautiful. her first kill on her list, too. Is it? Oh, no, it's not. No, oh, it's Marin, not. I'm sorry. Marin Tran. <laughs> okay. In Westeros, though. Yeah, in true, Westeros. true, true. <laughs> so it's interesting how Arya and Sansa both can mirror Cersei at times. Um, yes. They both seem to have elements of Cersei-ness to them in different ways. Um, mm-hmm pretty cool so yeah that that wraps up the twins Walter Frey. yeah and walder Frey. peace out no one's gonna miss you yeah nice to know you not so then we get sansa and baelish yep. at the weirwood tree and i love sansa sitting there and the pond is frozen over mm-hmm. and this is where, where she got married too so she's got some you know she's it must be a difficult place for her to be but it must feel much better being able to be there in peace without the Boltons being there, you know? Yeah. Home is home again. Because she used to again. find a lot of solace in, in the God's woods, wherever she was. Yeah. And he even says, he goes, if you're at prayer, and she goes, I'm done with all of that. Yeah, very interesting, right? Yeah, she just she's reminiscing or she's thinking. She's like, the gods are bullshit. <laughs> you know, she's like, I was such a stupid girl. I was basically, anytime I sat here, I always thought about what I wanted, not about what I had. And I love that sentiment. Yeah. I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. Taking what we have for granted. And it's important as she, she vocalizes how she's realized everything that she's lost. And she recognizes now only in hindsight, how fortunate she had been. Mm -hmm. It's really sad, but at least she has positive memories. Yeah. And she's like, Peter's trying to, console her and he she was like well you were just a child and that's a true statement and yeah but she's like um what do you want you know what i want well i thought i knew but i was wrong and he puts it all on the line here man another full admission cersei has a big confession this episode where she lays out a whole bunch of things she confesses to and this is baelish's equivalent moment here with sansa wouldn't you say Oh, complete. I mean, yes, this is 
as close to a proposal as you can get without it being a marriage proposal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I have this vision of us and I, I close my eyes and every time I consider what action will get me one step further, basically to being with you and sitting on the iron throne. I only take actions if they will move me towards this picture in my mind, towards making this picture a reality. If it, if this action I'm considering won't help, I don't do it. Uh, he goes, pull it out of my mind and into the world. I loved that. Yeah, that's a really cool, uh, really cool concept. You know, and I only act if the answer is yes. A picture of me on the Iron Throne and you by my side. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he, and he goes to kiss her and she stops him. Oh, rejected. It's a pretty picture. She's playing him. She's mm. teasing him. It's a pretty picture. Yep. But I'm not interested. Yeah. She's getting him wrapped around her finger a little bit. Like Cersei said, you know, woman's most powerful weapon is between her legs, right? She's learning how to use it, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, a little um, bit. <laughs> and he tells her, I've declared for House Stark for all to hear. And Sansa basically rolls her eyes. She's like, dude, you've declared for so many other houses, yeah, Lord Baelish, but it's never stopped, stopped you from serving yourself. And that's what it really comes down to with him, right? It's all about himself. Yeah. No matter what, it's all about, number one, about Littlefinger, scheming little bastard. And then this is where he puts tries to put some more doubt into Sansa's head about John. Before that though, he calls her, he says, my love. He calls her oh, my yes. love. Yes. Like That's so very crazy. forward with her. Suddenly she rejected him and he's getting desperate now calling her my, my love. love and like, you know, heaping it on essentially. <laughs> I thought like, that was oh pretty funny. God. Right. Isn't that nuts? It's totally nuts. Yeah. He, he's like, you, my love are the future of house Stark. Who should the North rally behind? A trueborn daughter of Ned and Catelyn Stark, born here at Winterfell, or a motherless bastard born in the South? Uh. And it's right as Sansa's walking away, right? And she does not look happy about this. And as a first-time viewers, we may think that, oh, it's Littlefinger planting another seed of doubt in her mind. And she's she's pondering on this question upset that a motherless bastard may supersede her as the power of the north right yeah but now upon my rewatch after her connecting with john and, and admitting to him that she should have told him about the troops and with their talk of trusting each other and their bonding moment about and winter coming saying to him directly like i consider you a star yes like, yes we're equals here right now when i see her look of displeasure at this moment i don't think she's worried about john overtaking her and for power i think that she doesn't like the way that littlefinger is talking about john i agree i think that's what this look is all about but we're it's but a, he's trying to plant a seed of doubt right. and it's not working and as viewers, we're not, we're not supposed to know how to interpret it at first without exactly. later context, right? So it makes us nervous the first time around, like, oh God, is, is, is he driving a wedge in between Sansa and John? But I think not. I think that she's just angry about- I think about, it's helping bond them together more. Yes. And it makes him look like an asshole, like, a, like a, and she's recognizing A that. crushed up asshole. Mashed up asshole. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so- uh, uh, then we cuts up to north of the wall again and with Benjen and Mira and Bran. Whoop, whoop. What, what? All right. Yeah. So we're up beyond the wall. And Benjen is bidding 
Bran and Mira a farewell. Mm. And we do find that there's magic buried in the ice that keeps him from going. That's why he's not able to go with them. Yeah, apparently as long as the wall stands, the dead cannot pass. He cannot pass. Very sad. So Mira's like, where will you go? And he's like, well, the great war is still coming, but I still fight for the living. I'll do what I can as long as I can. Yeah, I'll do what I can. I'll save John as long as I can until I die saving John. <laughs> Basically, because yeah. there's not enough room on that horse for two. And he, it seems like he already knows his future, too, almost because he's just like Maybe. defeated about it. Like, I'll do what I can as long as I can. You know. <laughs> and we hear and Bran, he's like, thank you, Uncle Benjamin. Yeah. I wish you good for you both good fortune. And I wanted him to say in the wars to come. I know, right? And, uh, and then he rides, rides away. Poor Benjamin. I know. He looks pretty rough, too. Yeah. He did get a chance to save two of the Stark boys, though. Yes, that's his purpose. Like, without Benjamin there, two of the, uh, yeah, two of the Starks might be goners without him, so... All the, all of the boys, all of the men would have yeah, been gone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So man, he really did uh, end up serving an important function. He saves his house. Yeah, totally. Opposite of Cersei. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're at the weirwood tree. I think it's the same weirwood tree that John took his, um, the oath, oath at. Yeah. Oh, Wow. Yeah, because they're obviously close to Castle Black, because the next time we see them, they're at Castle Black. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Mira walks up, and um, Dolores Eds runs out and greets them. Nice. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm pretty sure that's next next episode, the season premiere of season seven. Yeah, got it. yeah it's got to be. I bet you're right. That's, that's the weirwood tree. So they're close. Yeah, they're within a couple miles. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because Benjamin wouldn't drop him off very far from the wall either. Like, we know that no. this weirwood grove is real close to Castle And he can't Black. get much closer. So this is the last weirwood tree for miles. I think the next one is uh, Winterfell. So he's backtracking a little bit. He's heading backwards, making sure that the whites are a little ways off and that Bran and Mira have time to get to the wall. And Well, he's dropping him off at the tree, too, because I think... He knows that Bran needs, needs to, to connect to the network. Yeah, he's got to do some stuff. He's got to check his downloads. <laughs> he, he's got to download all the data. Yeah, totally. He's got to sync. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Mira's like, are you sure you're ready for this, Bran? As he reaches out to touch the tree. Like, I have to be. I'm the three-eyed raven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, and so he goes into his worrying state and we're back at the Tower of Joy. Oh, my God. Damn, the, th- the Tower of Joy. <laughs> and so we cut right back where Ned is like running up the stairs and he turns around uh, and looks exactly like he did when Bran yelled father. Yep. But Bran doesn't yell father this time. Right. It's interesting. So it's-, it's like a little funky little time loop. I think he still heard him that time. Yeah, it's like it's like you can visit the memory repeatedly, but you only like see yourself there that at your current viewing. But apparently he like connected with the memory that one time that he was there mm-hmm. and it altered the, the time at that moment or something. Yeah, I agree. And so we get young Ned running up the stairs. I love young Ned. Me too. He's great. He's so good. I hope we get to see more of him this season. His facial expressions. So he sees his his um, sister. Oh, so brutal. Um, laying in the bed and the sheets are just soaked 
with blood. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Ugh. She calls out to him, Ned. Oh, Liana. Ned, is that really you? You're not Ugh. a dream. Oh, he takes I'm not her a dream. Hand. I'm right here and his like furrowed brow and I, it's the actor's like facial features that make his expression so, so emotive. Um, yes. It just it makes me like teary eyed every time. It's yeah. And Bran is watching just like in shock. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Well, because he still thinks that Leona was raped by Rhaegar. Right. So she's had this baby. It's like, you know, out of wedlock kind of thing, which he, you know, tells Sam about like John's really a sand. He's not a snow. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. But she goes, I've missed you, big brother. And he starts to cry. Yeah. And she's, he goes, I've missed you too. Fought a war for her. Oh, and then she goes, I want to be brave. Oh my God. I'm not brave though. I want to be brave. <laughs> what? I'm not. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. You're not going to die. He lifts his hand oh, from and being on his stomach and it's just dripping. It it's just so brutal. Oh, no, and he's trying to, um, to console her. He's like, you're, you're not going to die. And he, he kind of freaks out, turns Gives around. Give her some water. Give her some water. <laughs> yeah. Isn't yells. there a maester hiding behind the rock somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can just hear the desperation in his voice. And Bran is watching in sadness and wonder. Promise me that. And she goes, please listen to me, Ned. And I love the urgency in her voice because she doesn't have that much more time. Whatever this is, it's important. So did you read her lips? I did. And you can totally read it. You can totally read it. it. She says his name is Aegon. And it cuts out like the the audio cuts out right after his name is. Yeah, but we. Yeah, you see Aegon Aegon Targaryen. And they were crafty, too, because if you listen real close, you can hear her say, his name is. And then it cuts out right before she actually says his name, although you can continue to watch her still saying it. And then we hear her say, if Robert finds out, he'll He'll kill kill him. him. You know he will. So we know it's Rhaegar. You have to protect him. Promise (sighs) me, Ned. Promise Promise me. (laughs) And Ned is just like looking at. He's He's like, like, what the fuck? He's so shocked. His name is Aegon Targaryen. Targaryen. And that hits Ned with like, I mean, they had just been killing Targaryens basically. And now he's, his family members are Targaryens. Mm, my God. The look of shock and disbelief on that actor's face is so tangible and realistic. Right. And like, what is he going to do? Like, she's like, promise me, protect him. Like, how is he going to hide this from Robert? Like she says, he'll kill him. Yeah. And from his family, I mean, He's ha- he has to come up with a plan quick because they hand him the baby and he stares down yeah. at him and the oh my instantly. god that baby looks so much like <laughs> Kit <laughs> Harrington. I know it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Oh I don't know if they did any type of like rendering to make them look more similar, but my goodness. I know it's pretty ridiculous, right? And we get the stark music with the higher pitched um, strings. They're like a, an octave higher. Yeah, the high voicings. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I oh, love man. it. And it just like juxtap- it 
you just see the baby and then it turns into that amazing picture of Jon Snow. Oh yeah, my God. So, so crazy. Oh my God. I love that scar on his face from the eagle. Yep. And I'm just like, John, oh my mm. God, the baby is John. John, the king in the his north. Name, his, his mom is Lyanna Stark. Like, oh what my the God. Fuck? His dad is Rhaegar Targaryen. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we don't know that for sure yet. And we don't know his last name yet at this point of, this, of the this series. But we know that his mom is, is Lyanna for sure. And R plus L equals J is basically confirmed. Oh, man. Do you know what I mean? And oh my God, the speculation. Mm. Leading up to this moment, like you could, you know, like they say, you could cut the tension with a knife. Like you could cut oh, the speculation yeah. with a knife, you know? Like, I seriously had tears in my eyes. Yeah. This is the central mystery of A Song of Ice and Fire is like everything is revolving around Liana and John. Mm. And uh, the, the reveal is just like, I'm sure that book readers all over the planet were just like beside themselves. Don't cry, Rachel. Be brave. Don't cry. Don't cry. I'm like, fuck, there's tears like streaming out of my eyes, like uncontrollably. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's me always basically in this show. For sure. This is one of those moments for me. Oh man. Yeah, the the Tower of Joy and like just the gravity of the situation. This this whole ending of this sh- of this particular episode, The King in the North. Right. Oh, uh, before we talk about that for one sec, I just want to talk a second more about um ned and the john revelation and like just the gravity of the situation that ned knows he's been thrust into at this point and uh, it's just crazy like he knows the difficulty of the situation that he faces and you can see this like the weight on his face with the truth that he's just been told oh completely just just pressing down so hard on him oh man it's just so intense oh man and yeah that's funny that bran tells tell Sam that John would be a sand because he missed what Liana said. He didn't catch his name. It takes a, a rewatch basically mm-hmm. for Bran. He's got to return to the memory. <laughs> and finally he picks up the name. His name is Aegon Targaryen. Even Bran has to do rewatches to figure out this story. <laughs> yeah. Even Bran needs rewatches to fully pick up on all the plot lines and everything. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so mm. then we have the, I mean, or also, yeah, this is, like we said, this is the, the central mystery of the whole story. Everything re- revolves around John being the rightful king and and growing up a, a bastard and learning, like, learning the plights of the people from, like, a lower perspective and, I don't know, earning power for himself and then learning that he has the blood right as well. Like, what a what a legendary story, you know? completely it's, just it's amazing. so amazing and then we have the scene where he's elevated to a king on his own merits right after this just like Tyrion is elevated to hand off his own merits the first time it was given to him by his dad now he's earned it it's funny it's like john was born with the with the blood right the birth right to the throne he was, it was given to him that right but here he earns the throne for himself a throne the king in the north yes. throne so he and Tyrion are both going from like inheriting important titles to earning them to getting it themselves in this episode yeah. and it totally holds more weight totally holds, holds more weight yeah you save it you buy save you buy it yourself something that you wanted and then you take care of it you know it means something because you earned it right so the that's that's what same thing with danny too like good leaders they they've they've learned well she's earned everything that she's received right. like she 
She earned the unsullied by setting them free. She earned her people by setting them free. Exactly. She gained their respect and built her power base. She's done all of this. Think about where Danny was at the beginning of the, the series. The beggar, the sister of the beggar king. She was being sold. Yeah. She was sold to a Dothraki warlord. A warlord. Not even like like a highborn, you know, like they're known as savages and screamers sold to the screamers it's like and now she's like gonna fuck shit up in westeros oh yeah and ned's the same thing we've talked about the parallels before between john and danny how they both both start from nothing low position at the wall being nothing in essos and they build their armies and they build their their loyalty of their followers and their followers follow them because they love them right. and they respect them they're respected and, they and trust them yeah they believe in them you know and that's they believe like, in their cause and their right. divine like reason for for and they're magnetic they're they're charismatic yeah and like Tyrion says in this episode like i believe in you and that's a, that's the same thing like lady liana mormont says to jo- about john basically she's like he may not be a stark in name but the stark blood runs through his veins like mm. he is my king you know <laughs> like, let's talk yeah, about this let's scene. talk about this yeah because it's i mean yeah, we get the transition from the baby face to John's face and all of the high all of the lords of the north are gathered now that Winterfell has been taken. They've been summoned to the the traditional seat of power in the north again. It's so face. funny if you if you look at Jon Snow in this image of him like going from the baby to adulthood versus like yeah. the very first episode Kit Harrington's growth as far as like looking like such a boy to looking like such a man is extremely stark yeah his physical maturation (laughs) over the years is yeah totally (laughs) good good one it's a stark contrast no pun intended and i love that he's looking more and more like ned with his hair pulled back oh yeah love it a gristled melon (laughs) yes (laughs) classic So we have Lord Royce puffing up about dealing with the wildlings and Tormund shuts him down. He's like, we're not invading anything. We were invited here. Yeah. He's like, well, not by me. And it's like, dude, I'm sorry. Do you run the North? Because I'm pretty sure you're from the Vale. And John has to stick up for him. (laughs) He's like, yeah, the free folk, the Northerners, the Knights of the Vale, we all just fought together bravely and we won, you know? My my father uses used to say he brings up a great quote by Ned and like we find our true friends on the battlefield. The battlefield. The battlefield, yeah. <laughs> the battlefield. We find our true <laughs> friends on the battlefield. It's so funny, yeah. So I mean that's a piece of wisdom. You know you know who your real friends are when they fight for you and fight with you. As opposed to I mean, Ned learned that the hard way too with Littlefinger, the the battlefield of the throne room when it came for that power struggle, he learned that Littlefinger was not his friend. Mm-hmm. on that political battlefield sadly so conversations going back and forth here and people are talking about how the boltons have been defeated and they the, want to go home yeah the war is over winter's here they need to shelter up and wait out wait out the storm and john's like have you not been listening 
The real war hasn't even started. This right. is just like squabbling. And the true enemy won't wait out the storm, right? And this kind of reminded me of Euron. As he was like, he brings I the bring storm. I bring the storm. <laughs> I am the storm. <laughs> so we, we know that when the, the white walkers approach, it gets cold and they like bring the cold and the, the white cold. They're so cold. You can't even like hurts to breathe. Like with Mira, like when she's talking and all of a sudden her breath gets icy. Right. Or when Rast dumps the water out by ghost exactly. and then it Freezes and yeah, so we know like about how the it's true they bring the storms. So I thought that was an interesting line by John. It's sort of ominous. People start and to people murmur start about kinda it. Kind of like talk. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Rabble, Leanna, little lady Leanna Morma. Yeah, she stands up and everybody sits the fuck down and shuts up. <laughs> I love her. I love her. Yeah, she's got to scold everybody. I don't know what everybody. she's talking about, that she's not a great beauty. She's so pretty. She's know, such right? a cute girl. Yeah, she's, she's cute. And she's this actress. Yeah, she's got to like, lay down the law and scold all these older men. Yeah, she's like, your son, hey, you over here, yeah. your son was butchered at the Red Wedding, yeah. Lord Manderley. Yep. You refuse the call. Hey, Lord Glover, you refuse the call yeah. in the Stark's greatest need, yeah, like in the time of, of their greatest people. need. Ugh. Lord Kerwin, your father was skinned skinned alive by Ramsay Bolton, and you refused the call. Ugh, what no, the no fuck? Good. House Mormont remembers. The North remembers. And I love this, what she says here, because she's calling out all these northern houses, these gruff northern houses. Right. And she's saying, you're not remembering. You refused the call. Mormont? The ones that did call up to John, that's the real North. Yeah, we remember. She's insulting them. We yeah. remember. She, and it's 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 even more insulting because it's coming from a little girl. You know, I know. Like, the toughest of all of them. And she's like, I don't give a rat's ass if Jon Snow is a bastard. Yeah. Ned Stark's blood runs through his veins. Right. He is my king from this day until his last day. Dude, she totally nominates him to be the king here. <laughs> and you know what I love is even though John is not Ned Stark's son, Ned Stark's blood still truly does run through his veins because they are still related. Right. Yeah. So that's not really a lie. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like the Stark blood runs through his veins. Exactly. As much as it runs through Ned's. Exactly. And Definitely. these big, gruff northern dudes are like, you know what? <laughs> she speaks really harshly, but she speaks true. Yeah. And this guy that stands up and said that this is Lord Wyman Manderley. M Manderley and he's Lord too fat to sit a horse in the books. Remember we talked oh, about him? Oh yes. Yes. Great, okay. great, great character. He's like a fan favorite from the books. Huge fat dude, larger than life, big pun status. Uh, like his throne is like custom built to be like ultra wide. <laughs> yeah. And he's and, the one that says that John avenged the red wedding. Yes. He's the you white know? wolf. He calls him the white oh, wolf. Oh my God. Goosebumps everywhere. The king in the north. <laughs> Lifts his sword Ugh. up. Oh man. It's so badass. Puts his sword point down. And this is when my eyes start to well and I start blinking profusely yeah, to keep yeah. them at bay. Yeah. And then... Lord Glover. I love his voice. It's, is he like, I wonder if he's like Scottish. I'm not sure. I didn't notice. I'll have to, he's, I'll have to take notes. So next time. The, what I've found is 
the people that they get to play these northern houses, they all have kind of like different um, foreign accents, mm. all kind of from like around the year, like England, Ireland, Scotland area. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, he sounds Scottish to me, this actor. Mm. It's gruffer. It's thicker. It's yeah. hard. Love a little Scottish bit harder accent. to understand. Oh, me too. Shout out to uh, Richard Horsfield. Yes. And our other great Scottish listeners. Love you guys. Yeah. We love you, Scotland. I'm yes. Scottish. Yeah, we're all Scottish. If it's no Scottish, it's crap. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm descended from the Earl of Sterling as, as well as other. Lord Sterling. Yes, exactly. My grandmother's maiden name was McEwen. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he's... So Lord Glover. Lord Glover. You know, <laughs> I did not fight beside you on the field, and I will regret that until my dying day. He's really come around, man. He was so pissed at them for even asking before, remember? Now he's like, I will regret he's it until shameful my dying day. Here. <laughs> yeah, totally shamed by, by little lady Liana Mormont. You know, but I love his sentiment here, because he goes, a man can only admit when he is wrong and ask for forgiveness. Yes. and. It's so hard for a lot of people to do this. And it really is. If you can, if you can it's hone admirable. in on this ability to admit when you're wrong and ask for forgiveness, usually like to John's point here, there's really nothing to forgive because we we're human and we all make mistakes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like, yeah, because your, your heart was true. Your heart was in the right place. You're trying to protect your people. And yep. it was a tough situation to be in. But the fact that you admit that you're wrong and are asking for forgiveness, that that shows growth. And how can you be punished for that? Yeah, I thought it was very kingly, his response. There's nothing to forgive, my lord. Yes. And, you know, he, we get his king in the north. There will be more fights to come. Yes. House Glover will stand come. beside House Stark House as we Glover. have for a thousand well, years. And I will stand behind Jon Snow. Yes. The king in the north. <laughs> He's so like, epic about it too. Like, <laughs> like points his sword upwards and yells it so loud. He's my favorite. He's the one that I remember in this scene. Nice. Yeah. And he does the same thing. Puts his sword point down and kneels again. Mm. And then we get the, the echo of Rob's king in the north scene. Yes. Everybody stands up and draws their swords and they're all the the blades are shining and gleaming and pointing to the sky and they've pumped pumped their swords to the air the king of the north the king of the north king of the north it's so epic and then they're all chanting i'm bawling at this point yeah and lady liana looks like she's a has a huge accomplishment so proud proud. and she stands up and she starts going the king of the north and now i'm sobbing and davos stands up and starts chanting the king of the north as well and now i'm like just beside myself like right (laughs) my mind is blown i'm like tissues are everywhere and sansa's smiling too and john stands up and they make (sighs) eye contact and it's a beautiful moment between the two of them i'm glad that she's proud of her brother here because i know that there's some speculation that she's jealous of john that she feels like she should be the one being praised because at the end of the day she's the one that like defeated the Boltons with her alliance with the Knights of the Vale. And she's the one with the Stark name. She's Lady of Winterfell. But I truly, at least in this moment, and we'll see in season eight. 
Yeah. If this changes at all. But I feel like in this moment, she's truly proud of her brother. I agree. John. A warrior, a true, true warrior. He earned it. He deserves it. And he is a Stark. And she admitted that to him. I don't think she would have said that to him if she didn't feel it in her heart. Yeah, I agree. So I think she's in this moment, truly proud. Right. There might be a power struggle later down the line, but right here in this moment, she is so happy for her brother. I agree. She's just smiling all around and then she turns and sees Littlefinger poison in the well and he's kind of frowning and scowling and, and the, then her smile um, disappears as well. So the music goes from the Stark music to the theme music, like a slower version, a happier mm. version of it. And it turns right when she looks at Littlefinger. Interesting. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting to her smile kind of fades. And we're wondering like, ooh, is she like remembering what Littlefinger said and agreeing with him? Like, oh, John is taking over. As a first time viewer, that's what I felt. Right. But instead, I think, uh, again, I think that like, and the rewatch, you know, I think she's like, oh, fucking Littlefinger has to ruin everything. And that's what upset her is that Littlefinger is. I think she's is, wondering how the hell am I going to get rid of him? Yeah. Like he just ruins everything. Yeah. I think it's not even really even that so much as just like, I have a huge, this is a huge problem. He's here. I know what he wants. Yeah. I know that he dislikes John because he wants me to sit in the the seat as Lady of Winterfell. He wants him. to marry me. He wants me to marry him so he can sit the Iron Throne and control the North with me, you know, like through my name. Yep, exactly. And it's like, Big I problem. think her, her thought process shifts from being proud of her brother to frick, I still have to deal with an enemy. Yep, probably. There's still an enemy within us. Makes sense. Beautiful. Anything else you want to add about this scene? Uh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, me too. It's so gratifying after so long and after John's just lifelong mm, struggle. His, his whole arc. Yeah, it's just so well-deserved. and For people to set the fact that he's a snow aside makes... Yeah, makes such I a mean, massive... It's like unbelievable when you think about it like that, that they're willingly electing a snow as being higher than them. The as, king as in the north. Born. Yeah. Above a, a trueborn Stark sitting right next to him. Yeah, exactly. Above all of their trueborn them, they're all trueborn and they're elevating a, a snow to be in a position above all of their trueborn houses and lords. Because he's like, to your point, he's proved it to, he's proved it. He's right. earned it. And that's what's so poetic is he's, he's the rightful heir to the Iron Throne, but he's born and believes he's a bastard and still... Like he, he's manages to overcome everything and earn this position of power and have the kingship be handed to him after earning it and being named king. And uh, it's like, it's just so, so amazing. It's so poetic because he's born a king, but he really like becomes a king. And then when he finds out next season that he is the heir to the throne, it's just like, it's gotta be wild. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be a giant mind. Fuck it's just for him. so cool. Like just really amazing storytelling. Oh my goodness. So we have two more epic moments, yep, which are each a little bit short. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can tell we love this episode because, you know, we've only been talking about it for, for like four hours. Four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we cut over to the outskirts of King's Landing and yep. 
Jamie and Braun approach and see a billow of smoke. Jamie is like, what the fucking fuck? And he just kicks his horse and he's like, come on, let's go. We got to like, I think at first thought he thinks Cersei's dead because the Septa Baylor is where her trial was going to be. Ah, maybe. So I think in his mind, he has no idea what's transpired. And all he sees is the Septa Baylor blown up. And he knew that. Also in his mind, though, he would have known that there may have been caches of wildfire under the Sept of Baelor. So he could be like, oh, my God, it could have it could have triggered like Mad King memories. And immediately, like it's one of his greatest worries. He's watching play out in front of him. Innocence dying. Yeah. Something he sacrificed his honor to prevent. So then we cut to the throne room and. The music. Oh my God. I can't talk enough about the music in this episode. It's, it's a combination of the theme and Reigns of Castamere. Oh man. It, it, it melts. Javadi is just like next level. Uh, Light of the Seven and Reigns of Castamere. It's a mashup. And you know, I, I've said this, I know we've talked about this even in this episode. The Phantom of the Opera. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber is a genius in this aspect as well. They take two, or in Andrew Lloyd Webber's case, he takes four songs and mashes them up together. Nice, that's great. Love that type of stuff. I am fully confident that Ramin Jawadi could do the same thing. Oh yeah, but in Definitely. this, he does. Instance, I mean, sense he does. There are there are instances where there's all kinds of songs combined and. Uh, <sighs> Podcast it's so beautiful. radio winter, or podcast uh, podcast Winterfell used to break it down in a cleft notes segment. Cleft notes, yes, I used Murdoch. to listen yeah. to that. So good, right? Oh, it was amazing. What he does here with Reigns of Castamere and the main theme song is so seamless. And sometimes it plays together, and sometimes we're hearing Reigns, and then it switches to the theme, Damn. and then back to Reigns, and then all of a sudden. It's incredible. Truly incredible. And man, this, the throne room looks so terrifying now with the black pillars and like this whole. I know. Remodeling that Cersei's done. Looks and so cool. The doors open and Cersei looks. Terrifying. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally terrifying. Her dress, I, as terrifying as she, she reminds me of like. The Bad Witch in Snow White. Oh, interesting. Like Mirror, Mirror on the right, Wall. Right, right, right. That's so funny. I just got that like evil witch vibe from her. And we get this aerial shot looking down and her. It's like a black wedding dress. Oh. The way there's like a train. She has like these metal sleeves. She has this tiara. Oh, she looks like a force to be reckoned with. And she is. Yeah, she doesn't have the tiara yet. She walks up and... Oh, that's true. That's sits right. In the Iron Throne, or stands in front of the Iron Throne, and everybody's gathered around, and Kyburn stands next to her, holding the crown, the tiara, and uh, he's Kyburn is waiting for her by the throne. And is he wearing the golden pin of the hand of the king? Um, yes, he has it on. He has the hand on at this point. Nice. That's so wild. So she's named in the hand before before she was even technically. It's coordinated. really hard to see. Like you have to look for it. It's on. So if you're facing him, it's on his left shoulder as you're facing him. It's placed on his right shoulder, though, if, if you're like were him. Watching. Oh, if, if you're if you are him. OK. 
Oh yeah, he does have the pin on. Like, there's one shot right here yep. where it's looking yep. over her shoulder, and it's huge on his right yep. shoulder. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, so he's man. wearing it. Damn, that's so wild. So yeah. Uh, Damn. All right. Fuck. Good catch. Good call. This is this is why I love this show. I have watched this series more than I care to admit. Like we're talking like fifties and maybe more. 50 times. Really? And <laughs> like, I still find shit out like this. Right. I love it. Yeah, it's so nuts. It makes me want to watch the episode again. Yeah. Which I'm sure I will at some point in the next few days. Few days. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. tonight. I know. Who knows? This is such a good episode. Oh, man. So, yeah, she, she stands there and he tells her, he, <laughs> he pronounces, I now proclaim Cersei of the House Lannister, first of her name, Queen of the Andals, and the first men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms. And he places the crown down on top of Cersei's head. Notice how he didn't say protector of the realm. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, pretty crazy. It, yeah, it's just interesting. Our first coronated queen of Westeros. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, totally. Long may she reign. Long may she reign. And everybody repeats and it pans out slowly. And she looks very reptilian in this shot to me. I think I said it last time we covered this episode as well. And she, masculine. Uh, yeah, it's it, she. Oh, it's so creepy. She's terrifying. The blank, like emotionless look and on her face. And she it, glances the, the over at Jamie. Yeah, I was going to say it keeps panning over to Jamie and he looks terrified. Yeah, he's like, oh my God, like what he's the hell is happening? He's processing everything that's happened. He's okay, realizing except the Baylor's blown up. Tommen's gone. She's the queen, so Tommen's dead. And it's a very scary thought for Cersei to not have her children and she's just been made queen. Yeah, she's going to be insane and like in control. God damn. Oh, damn. So fucked up. And then cue the best scene <laughs> the end of the Miranese knot uh, oh, and the yeah. music and Theon and Yar standing on their ship and they're looking out to the sea and a dragon banner yeah a ship with a dragon ram on <sighs> its front oh yeah it's a ram that's right but she has the dragon sails too oh yeah totally and we see hundreds and hundreds of ships as far ships as far as the eye can see and Drogon and Viserion and Rhaegal are all flying above and we get this awesome shot of Drogon like yes. skimming the water with his wings. Yeah, oh. it's so cool. He dips down and flaps his wings and they tap the edge of the water. A like, couple right of times tips. and we see the ripples as he's... We actually get the ripples again in um, the loot train battle when he flies over the lake. Oh. The speed at which he's flying is creating the ripples air, in the water. Right, the air is refracting downwards and creating like it's hitting yes. the water. Like, yeah. That. And that level of detail is what just makes them look so real. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, what are they just going to fly the whole journey over to Westeros? Never I landing. I that too. I have that <laughs> in my notes. I'm like, do they ever rest? Uh, maybe. Well, and then I was thinking if they're like fire made flesh that maybe they just have like constant permanent energy and they never like really need to rest. I mean, Drogon does rest after he's injured very badly, but yeah, I don't know. It's I like mean, Superman powered by the sun. They just keep going and going. And maybe and going. they float like birds. <laughs> <who knows? laughs> Hollow bones. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh. And so we get, you know, gray worm with his doth or not with the Dothraki with the unsullied. We get, some yep. images of the Dothraki with their horses, horses with the dragons flying overhead. Yes. And then cue 
teleportation device in Planetos. There's um, Danny Varys. with Varys <laughs> and Tyrion. How did he get to Marine so fast from Dorne? I know. Well, we it's it, you know things aren't happening necessarily in sequence. <laughs> I know, but it's so funny. Like, it's like at the middle of the episode, he's in Dorne, and then oh, at and the then end he's of the already episodes, like back in Marine, and on then on the way to on the, on the way ship. back to Westeros again. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah, totally. I like that type of thing. And Danny is finally going home. Yes, amazing. After all this time. Danny and Tyrion look at each other and Varys is lurking in the background behind Danny looking like, mm, yeah. like, um, he's like fixed with purpose and conviction as well. And I know Patrick, Sir Patrick is like, Oh, I don't trust him. He's going to betray Danny. See what he happens. May, Cause I think that may be how he dies. We'll see. I'm not sure how we will see. Malisandra says to him, you're going to die in Westeros. Yeah. But maybe he'll die like protecting Danny or something. I mean, as far on the show, as far as we know, everything he's done thus far has been to protect Danny to protect like, right, off the, yeah. right off the start, you know? <laughs> That's true. Which could be the biggest red herring of all. Could be. Could be. We'll see. We'll see. Yep. Get your tinfoil out, Sir Patrick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so Danny look, looks out over the ocean ahead, and the dragons are flying overhead and screeching. And man, another mm, season ends with the dragons. Does every okay? I have this in my notes too. No. Does every season ending end with dragons? Season four ends with Arya on the ship going oh, to Bravos. That's right. Okay. The happy okay. music. <laughs> but that's the dragons right. do tend to play a large role in the season finale, last yes, shots. They do. <laughs> For sure. They sure do. With the Misa moment and the season one moment. Um, yeah. variety of times. This one as well. Even yeah. season seven, because we end with Viserion blasting the wall open. Right, right. Different dragon. Then flying south. And the last thing we see is him flying south over the army yeah. of the undead. So, He's, yeah, as far as season finales go, this is like one of the greatest of all time. We've only been talking about it for four hours. Yeah, so, so good. So this good. This is why we didn't pick a top five. Yeah. Because it's all important. <laughs> Easier just to go right through it. Nice. Do you have anything else you want to add other than it being fucking epic? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Cool. Nice. All right. Stick with us, guys. We'll be right back after a short break. And we're back with a little banter about Game of Thrones news. Dave sent me an article today. Um, we used to watch this show called Penny Dreadful. Ah, uh, yes. Really great show. If you haven't checked it out, Ooh, I highly friends, recommend uh, it. Damien Vargas sent us this link as well, I believe. Yeah. And um, Natalie Dormer, I think they're going to revive the show. And I think Natalie Dormer is going to play the, the lead role. Yeah, that's pretty cool to hear. I've never seen Penny Dreadful, but, you know, I'm down to check out anything with Natalie Dormer. She's pretty awesome. It's, I highly recommend Penny Dreadful. It's pretty morbid and really intense. (laughs) Um, Hey, it sounds like something Game of Thrones fans would like. Yeah, it's even kind of in a weird way, like more like darker. Whoa. Um, it, It just has like a different vibe. Nice. Um, there's there's so much political stuff that goes on with Game of Thrones that you kind of get like a spatial, you know, like it gets spaced out a little bit, like the intense scenes. Right, right. 
a little bit. I mean, most every episode is amazing, but right um, there, it's not like constant action. Yeah, Penny Dreadful, the main character is essentially like possessed by a demon. <laughs> oh, so and that's what Mar- Natalie Dormer would be? Yes, if I'm not mistaken, that's the role she would play. Or it's somebody else. Like, it's not this main character anymore. Um, hard hard to say. So I don't know if they're going to, like, keep the same cast, like the same characters, or just do spinoffs. Because basically... Um, you have all of like Penny Dreadful books in London or England back in the early, earlier centuries. They were like horror stories of like Frankenstein and Jack the Ripper and werewolves and vampires. So this show like has all of that. Nice. And it at, at like it's and it's pretty intense at times. And plus you have like this whole like Catholic or like Church of England aspect to it. Christianity with like, like kind demons. Of like a bloodborne vibe off of it for video game players might get that reference. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great show, but I mean like a week I can binge game of Thrones all day long. If I had the time, mm-hmm. I don't think I could binge penny dreadful. No, why not? It's cause it's intense. Oh like, man. That's we crazy. would, we would like, an episode would stop and we would just be like, I can't watch another one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like, I've ever we'll had watch that another one to tomorrow, you know, but like I have to process what <laughs> just, just happened. <laughs> chill for a few minutes. And yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend seeing the original. And then, you know, whenever this does come out, I'll be curious to see the tone it takes. Nice. If it's going to be like a total remake or a spinoff type type thing. Killer. Yeah. We'll skip Game of Thrones in history this episode since the length is already getting up there, but we'll come back to it next time. Did you hear that? Ravens! Yeah. <laughs> Sir Matthew of House Rep. Cersei brings the ideals of separation of church and state to Westeros. <laughs> With the destruction <laughs> of the Sept of Baelor, now all male lords of the great houses, when season one kicked off are dead at this point. First John Aaron, then Robert Brathian and Ned Stark, then Hoster Tully, Tywin Lannister, Doran Martell, Balon Greyjoy, and finally Mace Tyrell. It's Damn. fascinating. <laughs> yeah, good catch, man. It's fascinating how many of these houses are now headed by women. Yes. Go it's- girls. Go power. <laughs> it was great to see the direwolf sigil over Winterfell again in the credits again. Yes, I noted that again. too, Sir Matthew. Nice. Good call, man. Yeah, I, oh, I didn't notice that. It felt so good to see that. Finally. Beautiful. I love your feedback, Sir Matthew. You always bring great, great stuff to the table. Absolutely. Lady Sarah of House Larkham. I loved this episode. Girl, me too. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> Ramin Jawadi compositions are breathtaking in this episode. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> This brings a new era for Westeros, a first queen, Cersei time for Westeros. All previous rulers have been male, even though I don't like Cersei. During Cersei's coronation, the reigns of Castamere are playing and it's very dark and somber. And during Jon's coronation is triumphant and very ha- and a very happy affair, unlike Cersei's coronation. Mm, very interesting. Yes, great, great catch there. Con- con- very, yeah, serious contrasting. <laughs> 
For sure. And we also have that fire and ice thing going as we talked, the lion being kind of like a fiery symbol. Yeah. And like the fire surrounding the the braziers at the bottom of all the pillars in the throne room. Totally. As opposed to the snow all around winter. Yes. Lady Sarah continues, when Sansa and Jon are joking how long winter has taken and mentioned how Ned used to talk about winter is coming, they have a hint of sadness when that is said, because they thought Ned would be there for the winter. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. The scene foreshadows in episode seven of season seven, Arya and Sansa are standing in the same spot where Sansa and Jon are. I love Danny crossing the narrow sea. It was such a beautiful scene. It was breathtaking. Agreed. Totally. Thanks for writing in. Yes. Thank you. Lady Alicia of House Stout. Shout out to Ramin Javadi. His music was phenomenal in this episode. Mm, Couldn't agree more. (laughs) I hope someday I can make it to the concert, especially after hearing Rachel talk about it so much. Sorry, I'm obsessed. (laughs) It's an obsession, okay? (laughs) Varys' little birds, or I mean Kyburn's little birds are pure evil. All caps, evil. Pretty sure. Disturbing. Oh yeah, super disturbing. Pretty sure when they spied for Varys, they weren't stabbing people and madly killing them. Seeing little kids stabbing an old man to death was pretty disturbing. Disturbing, even if it was Pycelle, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Good to hear from you, Lady Alicia. Yes, thank you so much. Lady Lori of House Perkins. Hi, Lady Lori. Hey, Lady This Lori. is my favorite episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, yes, I think it's mine, too. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard for me to admit that, but I think it's my favorite. It might be mine, too. So many epic moments, it's hard to pick just one. But damn, the intro was so intense. Right? That whole sequence yes. is just like nuts. Yes, the music is gut-wrenching. It builds and builds until you feel like you can't breathe. Yes, absolutely. Claustrophobic, chaotic, just tension in the air. Dissonance in your ears. Oh, it causes so much feeling. Stress and... (laughs) Yeah. This is my favorite score of the show. It is the first time we hear the piano. So I already knew something was different. That is... Great catch. I forgot to mention that. Yep. It is the first time we hear a piano. Yeah. Very interesting. I didn't think anything would top Battle of the Bastards, but Winds of Winter Winds of Winter absolutely did. Back to back, too. Like those two episodes in a row, hands down, how, are the best two episodes that? in a row of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think Dude, about that. Those have to be like the two best back to back episodes. Oh, hands down, back to back for sure. Right? Yes. Up until season eight, we will see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I didn't see Tommen's death coming. The look Jamie gives Cersei, a Ugh. mad queen indeed, yep. for sure. I didn't see Jon Snow becoming king in the north. And Danny is finally on her way to Westeros after all these years. Best season finale yes. ever. Hands Woo. down. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. <laughs> Oh, yes. And Lady Mormont's speech. You refused the call. House Mormont was there. House Mormont remembers. The The North North remembers. remembers. (laughs) (laughs) We know no king but the king in the North whose name is Stark. Yeah. I don't care if he's a bastard. Ned Stark's blood runs through his veins. He is my king from this day. 
until his last day. Yeah. Chills, clapping emojis. Chills. Yes. Ugh. Thank you so much for writing in. Definitely. Good to hear from you, Lady Lori. Yes, thank you for writing. Lord Johnny of House Store. Hands down, top three episodes ever on this show. It's the best. And the music is awesome to listen to, even without being on the show. Yes, you can power lift to it, people. Oh, Try yeah. it out. You can do anything. Yeah, it's such good music. Do anything. Take a walk and listen to Game <laughs> of Thrones. Yep. Lord Nick of House Wiccans. What the fuck happened to Cersei? She had something resembling a heart in season two. A few moments where she could almost be accused of being kind to Sansa. Shows pain and despair for birthing a monster. Seems to somewhat disapprove of finding enjoyment in sadistic cruelty. Now she is the monster. Agreed. Hello, Duncan and Rachel. It's Zach with feedback for The Winds of Winter. Quite possibly the best episode of television ever made. Game of Thrones has some outstanding episodes, but I think this might be the best of all. It starts with the best opening of any episode of TV by far. The Light of the Seven, the musical score that Ramin Djawadi came up with is fantastic. I'm so jealous of uh, Lady Rachel having been to see the uh, Game of Thrones music experience. I desperately want to go see that. But this song and the way it plays out over some 15 minutes and 30 seconds from the very beginning of the episode all the way up until when the wildfire explodes underneath the uh, Sept of Baylor is just the way the music starts and stops. It ebbs and flows. It's mostly piano and some light strings for a long time. And then uh, the, the choral uh, voices and that kind of angelic sound, they come in when um, Pycelle is in the laboratory with Kyburn. And then the strings start coming in real hard when uh, towards the end of Kyburn's conversation. And that one girl pulls out her knife, and then the organ comes in uh, when uh, Lancel gets shanked in, in the catacombs down underneath the city. Uh, this, uh, the organ comes in and creates this really spooky uh, kind of a sound and feel, and just the piano throughout is amazing. I believe somewhere I heard Ramin Djawadi say this was the first time he used the piano in the uh, in the music for Game of Thrones, which it makes it it shows the viewer through the music that this is a very important sequence, even at the very beginning when it starts with a piano as the doors first open in the Sept of Baylor. So anyway, that opening is fantastic. I love this episode because we get so many great moments, so many great characters. It, I mean, how can you top it? Um, Davos Fury with Melisandre is, it's beyond palpable. Liam Cunningham acts that scene, I mean, absolutely fantastic. He is, to me, he's one of the more underrated actors in this series, I think. Um, Nikolai Coster-Waldo and Peter Dinklage, you know, get lots of credit, and they deserve it too, but Liam Cunningham is 
fantastic throughout this series, and this scene, I think, is his best because his anger about what happened with Princess Shireen is just so visceral. The scene in Dorne with Lady Olenna and the Sand Snakes is just hilarious because, of course, Lady Olenna puts the Sand Snakes in their place, and, um, but the... It comes, the end of that conversation comes straight out of the books. In um, A Feast for Crows, the chapter about Ariane Martel, the princess in the tower, this, um, the dialogue here is different characters saying the dialogue, but it is exactly out of the books, and I love it because George R.R. R. Martin wrote it so perfectly. It's between Ariane Martel and Princess Duran. Uh, he's still alive at this point. And, well, I mean, the storyline is so much different um, with what happens in Dorne in the books versus the show. But um, Ariane Martel is trying to figure out the plots and plans that Prince Doran has put in place. And she has learned about a voyage that her brother went on, uh, Quentin Martel, but n neither of those characters are in the show. And... Um, Prince Doran tell, tells her that uh, Quentin has gone to bring bring us back our heart's desire. And Ariane says, what is our heart's desire? And Doran Martel says, quote, vengeance. His voice was soft as if he were afraid that someone might be listening. Nice. Justice. Prince Doran pressed the onyx dragon into her palm with his swollen, gouty fingers and whispered, fire and blood. So that was that uh, dialogue came straight out of the books. That was between um, when Varys came in at the end there, and between Ilaria Sand and Lady Olenna. I uh, just really love that dialogue so much. It's really fantastic. The scene between uh, Sansa and John on the battlements of Winterfell is just really struck me, you know, on an emotional level, for the first time uh, rewatching it this time around. It's just what John's message about how they need to trust each other and work together is uh, definitely going to be important, especially in this final season. Uh, Arya's revenge is maybe one of the best single scenes of the entire series. I love Arya's storyline. She's probably my favorite character right there with Danny, And uh, for her to finally get revenge on Walder Frey is just, oh, so sweet. Uh, Littlefinger's picture of him and Sansa on the Iron Throne together is, that's it. He put all his cards on the table. He told Sansa everything and um, made himself, you know, somewhat vulnerable to Sansa. And uh, we, of course, you know, know in season seven what she does with that. But uh, Sansa is continually learning from Littlefinger uh, about how to play the game. So it was. I was very surprised when I first watched this that uh, Littlefinger laid it all out there so, so um, vulnerably the way he did in this scene, and uh, of course um, John's ascension, quote unquote, to the throne of the North uh, was just a fantastic scene. Of course, we learned the truth about Rhaegar and Lyanna, uh, or John's parents before that, and. Little Liana, little Lady Liana Mormat is so awesome in every scene she does, but this scene, she just completely just bitches those fools out. She calls them out, Manderley Glover. She calls all those fools out, and um, just completely owns them. 
And then she just lays it down. She says, it don't matter that he's a bastard. He's got Ned Stark's blood, so he's king in the north. And that man, that was just such a powerful scene. And then, of course, Danny sails west with her. That fleet is just enormous, the amount of ships and uh, men that she's moving to Westeros is, uh, hey, she's a conqueror, so she's got to she's gotta bring the uh, men and equipment and supplies to conquer, so they need that, that fleet to do it. So just the dragons at the very end, the, the fleet is, I mean, how can we top that episode? We'll see what season eight has in store, but uh, I can't wait. Thanks again for the great podcast. Keep it up and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, Zach. It's so nice to hear from you. I know you've probably been busy with your newborn daughter. Yeah. Congratulations. Congrats. She's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Emmy. Oh, we love seeing pictures of your little beautiful little baby Emma Lynn. Yes. Emmy. What a great name. Emmy Grace. Yeah. Emma Lynn. So beautiful. Congratulations again. She's truly perfect. Mm -hmm. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Yes. Thank you. All right, that's our show, episode 102. Thank you all for listening so much. Yes, thanks, guys. And seriously, Duncan, I know we've been talking via text, but you've put so much time and effort into Game of Microphones since the hiatus, and you've done such an amazing job. And I'm so proud of you and us for being really close to being caught up in time for the season eight premiere thanks yes i'm super excited and i'm really proud of both of us as well and uh you couldn't do have, couldn't so have done it much you. work no seriously my part is minimal compared to what you do behind the scenes so well, makes all the difference having a reliable co-host so awesome thank you <laughs> i love being a co-host and yeah. your work is it's not done in vain for sure <laughs> thanks it's awesome and a huge thanks also to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com. Doing some online shopping? Go to gameofmicrophones.com and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of Game of Microphones. We'd like to thank our patrons, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lady Lucy of House Roberts, Lady Candace of House Twos, Lady Terry of House Theodore, Lord Jeff of House Allen, Sirenicide, Lord John of House Grills, and Luke the Low Duke. Thank you guys so much for your support. We love you. Mm -hmm. And make sure to check out Sirenicide, the serialized horror drama podcast featuring me and Archmaester Stitches. Go to sirenicide.com and download it wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to give a huge thanks to Lady Lisa of House Sky, Pie Romancer. Mm-hmm. She's been monumental behind the scenes working to get our website, gameofmicrophones.com, up and running. 
She's also a fantastic artist. Primo. Um, I have to shout out to her book. Justin loves it. He nice. pulls it out of the book bin every time and thumbs through it and talks about her drawings and asks questions. And it's a great way to teach your young children how to be accepting and tolerant and understand that about maybe some people that they come across in their lives that, you know, don't look the way most people do and how to approach that situation. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I love that concept. Yeah, it's a really great book. It's called The People You May See, and it's available now on Amazon.com. You can check all of her work out at fineartsbylisa.com. She's also on Instagram and Facebook slash fineartsbylisa. Thanks, Lady Lisa. We love you. Mm -hmm. Next episode, we'll be covering Season 7, Episode 1, Dragonstone. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Give it a watch and send us your thoughts. We'd love to read them on our show. If you'd like to call, you can always call us at 813-JOFFREY. That's 813-563-3739. If you would like to write in, you can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. Imslap! You can also listen to Game of Microphones on YouTube, BitChute, and Steemit. Just search for Game of Microphones to find our channel. Likes, comments, and shares are also appreciated. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Minds at GOM Podcast. And we're on Tumblr, too, at Game of Microphones. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. want to be brave. Shh. You are. I'm not. I don't want to die. You're not going to die. Get us some water. No, no water. Is there a maester? Please, listen to me, Ned. Promise me, Ned. Promise me. That was awesome. Literally, I had almost 18 aspects of this episode that I wanted in my top five. (laughs) I just gave up. (laughs) Why aren't you wearing a stag? Well, he is wearing the like the stag horn helmet. That's uh, true. The crown. The crown. Yeah. Helmet. (laughs) Lancel's cronies gather Loris to his feet. Yeah. And start bringing him out. We see Lancel like, wow. So it's hilariously here. Pycelle is uh, doing what he's normally doing, having sex with hookers, right? <laughs> and that's the biggest, one of the biggest disasters about this whole thing is that this ho- poor lady never gets paid the money that she's owed. Pycelle, you dirty rat. <laughs> yeah. So Loris is like, no, I'm not ready to stand trial. We don't need that shit. I'm going to confess. You've broken me into a million pieces. Yeah, he's just like destroyed. He's re- I just want to get this over with. I don't care if you carve some weird symbol in my face. I just want to get out of here. Yeah. Someone walks into the room. You hear thump, thump, thump. And you know it's Sir Gregor. Yeah, yeah we know those footsteps. Just by those footsteps.
and with the reveal, like you mentioned just now, of them being little birds a few episodes ago, now every time we see a little kid, we're like, ooh, something, oh, something's going bird. on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she uh, and she does name Kyburn her, her hand, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Yeah. So like you said, right hand man. There you go. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's just like, Grand Maester, I bear you no ill will, you know, please forgive me if you can. And I'm like, fuck, creepy Kyburn, man. They don't call him that for no reason. He's so creepy. He's definitely creepy. Yeah, so Pycelle kind of like realizes the fix is in and he turns around and unexpectedly it's a, a little kid holding a knife. I know, it's so disturbing. Yeah, it's I can't even. So creepy. And that's and it's like you said at the Battle of Hardhome, you know, like with those little kids, a similar type vibe, very similar. And then it goes down back to Lancel. Yeah. And he finds this tunnel and he's like, what the hell is this madness? <laughs> madness is having another day in King's Landing and gets on his knees and starts crawling and i'm like oh my god this is like alice in wonderland going down the rabbit hole you know what i mean it's so intense watching him crawl it's like a yeah. part of me is like go 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 like yeah part it's of me like, is yeah, like yeah totally oh my god this is gonna happen <laughs> and we have the reveal of the wildfire it's and this, this glowing was, goo. Yes. And this was, it's oh, like, like Ninja Turtles movies. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yes. Right. It kind of reminded me there is like, um, of like rigged bombs that they have in movies where like they use a cigarette as the fuse or something like that. And yeah. it gives it the, the bomber just enough time to escape. <laughs> it's so cool. I hope that little boy escaped even though. Oh, he did for sure. He's yeah. He, even though he's a scumbag. He had enough time. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't, if you guys want to stay, if the seven, you know, sept, septers, septas, sept, septins, <laughs> whatever one it is, if the, sept? If, the, if the septins want to stay oh. and finish the trial, go for it. Like, let the common people out. Oh my God, that, that explosion is so amazing. How do they do that? That is Super too, detailed. Too much information. Yeah, TMI, <laughs> sirs. And she's like, I said the, my face would be the last thing you saw before you died. Do you remember? And Septa Yunella's like, good. yeah, good. I'm ready to die, bitch. You know, I'm ready to meet the gods. And Cersei's like, what? No, not right now. You have days to go, girlfriend. I'm going to torture you for a bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that jump out of the window was sort of telegraphed as the camera lingers. And then Tommen walks back into frame and steadfastly, never wavering, steps right up into that window and just drops right down. Mm. And now there's a whole new meaning to the name King's Landing. Oh my God. That's awful. Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> that's so horribly awful. <laughs> it's hilarious. Come on. You gotta admit it. It's hilarious. It's bad. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. bad. Poor Tommen. He's so proud. He's like, I got River Run back. <laughs> And it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> the Lannisters did, but we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> well, she doesn't want me, dude. She wants her golden fingers up your up her twat. <laughs> Classic line. Uh, oh my God. always got to say something like off the chain, you know, and With a, a pot stack of, gold. of coins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that makes her yeah that reigns her in is uh, that has a glimmer of a soul. Yeah. 
one redeemable trait and now like yeah it's gone that anchor has been eliminated and she's just adrift <laughs> so fucked up well her fuse has been lit yes I mean, oh yeah 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 big time it's over now i mean it's like tommen has to look like oberon right now <laughs> you know what i mean maybe worse like he nose dived yeah and you know what are your thoughts about concerning the funeral there's no sept of Baylor. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Just how the sept is no longer an option. Like that's nuts. And think about that. Like all the Targaryen burials there, they're all blown up. It's like all that history is gone. Yeah, it's crazy. So damn, <sighs> that whole thing was crazy, huh? Yeah. Again, kind of like Battle of the Bastards. When I think of the season six finale, I always think of yeah, the sept of here. Baylor blowing up. Totally. And it's hard to remember, like, we that get a lot of other really good stuff here. Tower of Joy, for instance. Tower of Joy, we get Tyrion being named Hand of the King. Oh my we god. We get Sam, he's at the Citadel. That's where we are next. Yeah. I mean Oh my god. God, what the fuck? Danny goes home. She finally leaves Marine. Right. I mean, like, this episode is so insane. Coming up on Game of Microphones. <laughs> Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. So, so like you said, we're at the Citadel next, right? And Sam gets there in time to see the White Ravens be released. Oh, snap. I, that's what that was. Yes. Those going are the all tower. the White Ravens going out to all the houses because we get one up at Winterfell. That a White Raven ar- arrived from the Citadel. That yes. winter is here. Winter is here, motherfuckers. Um, so we get to the front desk of the Citadel and we get the guy with his spectacles. Oh my God. Does that guy not look like an owl? Like <laughs> the wise old owl or, you know, or something like And he finally like places it in his hand and the guy snatches it away. <laughs> what a dick. This is irregular. <laughs> well, I suppose life is irregular. <laughs> And so he goes, come on, like, follow me this way. Um, in the meantime, you can use the library. Yeah, and Sam, like, is like, oh, 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 oh my. Oh, you know? my. And <laughs> needs to change his pants before he continues because this is, like, Sam's ultimate dream. It's like having access to the Citadel library. Yes. Oh, my it's God. It's every reader's dream, I'm sure. Yeah. And Davos is about to lose his shit. Mm-hmm. We cut into the dining hall and Jon Snow's hanging out with Melisandre. What is up with that? <laughs> That's so weird. I she know. Was, like he's lurking, moping in the room alone probably. And she probably found him because she's like obsessed with him and everything. That's what I imagine happened. How they got to be together in that room at that time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's moping as usual. Davos storms in and tosses the charred stag statuette over to melisandre and she catches it yeah she does and uh even though she's super old yeah she's still got that hand-eye coordination (laughs) the lord of light powers her eyeballs too and so uh (laughs) so Jon snow as usual knows nothing and he's like what is that (laughs) (laughs) typical Jon snow scene here we get him moping and knowing nothing (laughs) classic so john's like Ride south, like if you ever come back, you're fucked. Basically, right? We'll hang you as a as a murderer. And <laughs> Barbara, is that your name? <laughs> yeah, uh, Lady Elena is not putting up with any bullshit. She doesn't want to hear anything from these dumb little Dornish girls. 
uh, and solid logical. And these bitches are cray, basically. <laughs> cray, cray. So this is when Olena smacks down these hoes verbally, each one of them. I love this, though, because she's like, there's finally peace in Marine and we need you to stay, stay back to make sure that that stays. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, like you could leave some unsullied behind, perhaps. Yeah, it's like, fuck Marine, <laughs> fuck the people. I don't care about them. I care about you. Bring me with you. Let me fight for you. Oh, it's it's a good point because he's such a great fighter. He'd be such an asset. I know he could be like her king's guard. Her dirty yeah. king's guard. Dirty king's guard. Her dirty secret. It's hilarious. Not, not so secret secret. Sort of paralleling Queen Cersei with her dirty king's guard, Jamie. Although he's not a king's guard anymore. So, yeah. It's true. She goes, someone has to guard the Bay of Dragons. Yes. The Bay like, of Dragons. Yes, the Bay of Dragons. Yes. We can't call it Slaver's Bay anymore, can we? Good call. Epic. No, not. When Danny arrived, it was Slaver's Bay. When she left, it was the Bay of Dragons. Uh, love it. Tyrion's trying to get her a little excited. He's like, well, this is, and it's more, more meta, meta commentary. You know, he's like, how about the fact that this is actually happening, that we're, we're getting out of Marine. We're doing it. We're right? getting out of Marine after a hundred seasons. And that's for everybody. Yeah. Like you, like the Miranese <laughs> knot is finally untied. We're getting back to Westeros. Pod figured out the riddle. Yes. The gate is open. The gate is open. So yeah, that's pretty exciting. Heading back to Westeros. Mm, Damn. Yes. He's like, you got your armies. You're in the great game now. Yes, the great game. And the great game is terrifying. Yes. You're not one of mine, are you? It's like, ew. Yeah, because he's having like sexual thoughts about her. <laughs> no, my lord. <laughs> Didn't think so. Too pretty. You're too pretty. Whack. Spanks her on the butt. Oh, man. <sighs> he loves doing that, right? Classic uh, tasteless Walder Frey line coming up here. Well, what are they doing? They're just too busy trimming their, their cunt, cunt hairs. hairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He's so gross. Here, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> he peels back the top of that pie. And we see that fingernail. <sighs> so gross. They weren't easy to carve, especially Black Walder. Pretty cool. So yeah, that that wraps up the twins. Walder Frey. Yeah, and Walder Frey, peace out. No one's going to miss you. Yeah. Nice to know you, not. Oh, and so he goes into his warring state and we're back at the Tower of Joy. Oh my God. Damn, the, the Tower of Joy. <sighs> Promise me. me. <laughs> and Ned is just like looking at, he's, he's like, like He's so shocked. His name is Aegon Targaryen. Targaryen. And that hits not hits John with like I mean, they had just been killing Targaryens, basically, and now he's his family members are Targaryens. Mm, my God. The look of shock and disbelief on that actor's face is so tangible and realistic. Oh my god, that baby looks so much like <laughs> Kit, Kit Harrington. I know it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Oh I don't know if they did any type of like rendering to make them look more similar, but my goodness. I know it's pretty ridiculous, right? We know that his mom is is Liana for sure. And R plus L equals J is basically confirmed. Oh man. You know what I mean? And oh my God, the speculation mm. leading up to this moment 
Like you could, you know, as they say, you could cut the tension with a knife. Like you could cut oh, the speculation yeah. with a knife, you know? like I seriously had tears in my eyes. Yeah. This is the central mystery of the song of ice and fire is like, everything is revolving around Liana and John mm. and, uh, the the reveal is just like I'm sure that book readers all over the planet were just like beside themselves. Oh man! And yeah, that's funny that Brand tells tells Sam that John would be a sand because he missed what Liana said. He didn't catch his name. It takes a, a rewatch basically mm-hmm. for Brand. He's got to return to the memory, <laughs> and finally he picks up the name. His name is Aegon Targaryen. Even Bran has to do rewatches to figure out this story. <laughs> yeah, even Bran needs rewatches to fully pick up on all the plot lines and everything. That's great. And I love that he's looking more and more like Ned with his hair yeah, pulled with his back. Hair. Oh, yeah, love it. A gristled melon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He's the white wolf, he calls him. The white oh, wolf. Oh, my God. Goosebumps everywhere. The king in the north. <laughs> Lifts his sword uh. up. Oh, man, it's so badass. And I will stand behind Jon Snow. Yes. The king in the north. <laughs> He's so like epic about it, too. He like, <laughs> like points his sword know, upwards and yells it so loud. And He's my favorite. He's the one that I remember in this scene. Yeah, and I'm thinking, like, what, are they just going to fly the whole journey over to Westeros, never landing? I thought landing? that, too. I have that in my notes. I'm like, do they ever rest? Uh, maybe, well, and then I was thinking, if they're, like, fire-made flesh, maybe they just have, like, constant permanent energy, and they never, like, really need to rest. I mean, Drogon does rest after he's injured very badly, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's I like mean, Superman, powered by the sun. They just keep going and going and going. And maybe they float like birds. Who knows? <laughs> Hollow bones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You refused the call. House Mormont was there. House Mormont remembers. The, the North, North remembers. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc